Welcome to Walking Backwards. I'm Brad Grimet. This week's guest is Mick Froelich. Mick is a camera operator who I worked with on a pilot probably five, six years ago now. And he's a really cool guy. We haven't worked together since, and I haven't really seen him except for maybe once or twice. So it was just really nice to sit down and chat and have a conversation. He has a lot of fun, interesting stories, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. This weekend, of course, was Cinegear. So we had the annual Steadicam get-together on Saturday night at uh, my favorite local bar. And I think about 60 or 70 people showed up. I don't know, that might be too high, but it was quite a lot. I couldn't really count because people are in and out. But thanks to everybody who came and who had a good time. I had a great time. We closed the bar down, so uh, they they had to kick us out, finally. (laughs) And I saw some Tiffin people there, and I saw some Walter Clausen people there. And that's really cool because... You know, they, they work their butts off for Cinegear for two days, and then the day after they do the Stabilizer Expo, and I know they're tired, and they still manage to come out and have some fun, which hopefully was good for them to be able to uh, have a drink and see everybody and have a nice time, while also supporting the Steadicam community. So it's nice to see them out there. And of course, Tiffin Steadicam is one of my sponsors. Thank you very much to them. I appreciate it. And Walter Clausen FX is also one of my sponsors. Thank you very much to them. I appreciate it. Uh, one new announcement. I've done a new special um, bit, I guess you'd call it. I don't know. It's a segment. And it's for Patreon only. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's patreon.com slash walkingbackwards. You can sign up and hear it for yourself. It's called Best Day, Worst Day. And it's just your best day of your career and your worst day of your career. Pretty self-explanatory. But it was fun to do the first one, and I've already done others, but um, this is the first one, so hopefully you'll enjoy it. And it's just a thank you to my Patreon subscribers and uh, my appreciation for their support. So check that out if you'd like. And you can find me on Facebook or on Instagram at One Giant Robot. All right, enough of me. Here's McFrolick. Look who's in front of me. Wait, pronounce your last name for me. Frolic. Frolic, that's what yeah. I thought. Okay. But I heard somebody recently, oh, I don't God. know how recently. Did they do like a German pronunciation? No, they just pronounced it differently. I forget. Yeah. I can't even remember. And I was yeah. like, I thought it was Frolic. Yeah. They're like, no, it's Freilich. And I'm like, oh, well, that's, oh. yeah, that'll, yeah, that'll definitely roll off the tongue like that. That's yeah. kind of the other, because it's a German last name. So with the correct uh, accent and everything, it's yeah, Freulich, I think. Freulich, that makes sense. If you're in Germany, that's how they'll introduce you. Of course, that or makes Hungary. Sense. I just spent some time there, and that's how. Yeah, I noticed that you on. you did a movie in what Hungary? Yeah, I did two in a row there. Oh, you did two year. in a row? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was practically a local for 2018. That's weird. So, yeah, weird how it worked out. But was it great. was one Terminator? Yeah, the new Terminator. What was the name of Genesis? No. Dark Fate or Dark something. I think it's called Dark, Dark Fate. Dark Fate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dark Fate. That's right. It was, you know, it's funny when they have the working title. You know, you work on these movies and you stare at a slate for a hundred days that says like the code name for the movie. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, it's called Phoenix. <laughs> yes. And then all of a sudden the trailer comes out and you're like, oh, Terminator Dark Fate. Oh, that makes sense. That's that's a better name for it. <laughs> You know, I did a I did an Apple show called Are You Sleeping? Oh, cool. Which I was like, I don't like that title. I'm like, yeah. What? Is it a horror? Kind no. Of? It's, oh. you know, anyway, um it's a cool show. Yeah. Octavia Spencer and I, oh, I mean like I love gr- her. Great people. Oh, yeah, love yeah. her. 
Yes. Um, um, Aaron Paul. Um, Lizzie Kaplan. Anyway, the whole point was. Yeah. It was called that, and now it's called something else, and I can't remember. Even oh, though I've the, looked it up, like title 20 times. on the on it's totally changed, it's, oh, totally different. So funny. Um, but somebody, somebody was in here recently and said, "Oh, I did an Apple show, which, uh, which I think he said Greek God was it named after." And I'm like, "Huh? Oh wow!" And they're like, "Oh, Apple names all their shows after Greek gods. It might not be Greek gods, but it's something like yeah." There's a code. Some con- yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. And I was like, um. Well, not this one. And he's like, no, 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 all of them are named that. And I'm like, well, this one was called Are You Sleeping? He's like, well, you guys probably called it that. I'm like, it said that on the location signs. Like, <laughs> it said that on the call sheet. Uh, you know, and I'm like, this must be the one-off where they didn't do it. Yeah. I don't know whether it was first or yeah, last or. first. I don't think it was first, though. They, oh, really? They've done stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, who knows? Uh, but I just found that funny. Because they're doing apparently like a Batman or no, a Star Wars thing for Apple. Oh, I didn't know. Well, Star Wars has the Disney sh- Disney Channel. Disney's doing their pay service, and they have that first series called uh, The Mandalorian. That- maybe, maybe somebody's confused, and maybe it was. Because I said, how the hell is Apple yeah. doing a Star Wars Oh, thing? yeah. What was the... The Mandalorian was called Huckleberry? Yeah, it was called Huckleberry. Okay. <laughs> so you're like, hey, this is so-and-so from the Huckleberry production office. I'm like, the what? Uh, like I was like the Star Wars show, right? Is I'm Tom there? To be, I'm gonna be there tomorrow, right? And they're like, oh yeah, but we 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 call it Huckleberry. I was like, okay, right, got, got it, right? You know, Marvel's the same. They all have their their code. Oh yeah, I did uh, ragtag. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, you 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 did. You came in uh, during the pilot, didn't you? Yeah, that was the Agents of Shield one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That was Boyd too, David Boyd. Yeah, yeah. I had that nice run with Boyd. director. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you worked with him since? He doesn't shoot director. anymore. Oh no, no. as a director, yeah. and he barely works in town. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised you haven't, considering how much. But well, you're not doing TV, out not of town. really. Yeah, and yeah. and I think you know, like the Walking Dead people are very loyal to them still. And then he got into this. I know he was in Canada a lot. A lot, yeah. I had sent him a few texts, and he was like, "Oh, I'm in Toronto." Yeah, and I just kind of fell out of touch with him because he's in a different circle of. Of people yeah it's a whole thing, other thing going on yeah. it, it was funny i was flying i guess in 2016 i was flying to albuquerque um for a show and i walked in i don't know if you've flown to Albu- albuquerque oh, yeah. from lax very yeah. much you know that that one gate that it's in yeah that yeah. weird gate that yes. you have to walk through and it's like a room yes so i'm walking in that room and i glance down to my right and david boyd's sitting on the floor course he is with his with his computer and he's and he's typing away yeah on his computer and i said holy shit david boyd brad gramet oh how you doing <laughs> he's the greatest he's so funny uh, <laughs> I've, I've talked about him so much on this show sure. it's, it's ridiculous yeah. um as and you should he's deserved he good, is he's a good he individual a- andrew rollins had nice things to say about him oh, too yeah. from when he first got to town and i bet I and mean, uh, he said David he was so probably helpful. still operating back then maybe even yeah maybe or maybe uh, just making the move to D. yeah i don't know yeah. i'm not sure but um did he ever tell you those stories about how he moved up yeah okay i mean he like he is hilarious. And, yeah, you know, he's a funny guy. And you hear stories about like when he was a focus puller that he was really grumpy. Yep. And really hard to work with. And really? Kind of, yeah. I haven't heard hard to work with. I've well, heard grumpy. But, you know, and I, I yeah, think it yeah. all stemmed from that scene. So, yeah. Sure. Talk about a guy who just wasn't happy doing what he was doing and is happy now. 
Yeah. Because, like, everybody loves his energy now. And he's, like, the best person to be around. That's why he can't shoot anymore. He he told me for two years or three years, he would text me and say, I'm trying to get a pilot this year to shoot, you know, and then up oh, too busy. Yeah. Because too many people want him to direct. I'm like, yeah. you got good problems. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I mean, honestly, if I had my druthers, I'd say directing television is the best job in Hollywood. It's pretty good. If I mean, a lot of people would say operating is, but operating is the best job on the set. You're right, below the line. Below, well, yeah, yeah. Good point. Directing is the best job in Hollywood. You're in and you're out. TV you make directing, a really good, like, you're right? Yeah, hundred percent. You make a really good living. Yeah. If you make your day and people like you, yes. A la Mr. Boyd. Oh yeah. You are very successful. Yeah. Like Guy B. Yeah. All all those guys. That, yes. that you have the right personality. You make your day. Everyone's comfortable. The actors are comfortable. The set's comfortable. Right. Right. It's important. It's important. It yeah. is. It is. Uh, you know, it's it's such a coveted job. I mean, everybody knows what we know. <laughs> That's the yeah, problem. Yeah, for Everybody sure. knows yeah, how great it is. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, I think there's a good amount of people, I bet you'd agree with me, that, that try to get into it just for the money. And oh, I, for sure. And I don't know that there are that many people who do it for those reasons that succeed. I'm sure there are some. Not anymore. I, I think the the playing field now is so... Well, there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of content now. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot more opportunity, and, and hopefully we're giving better people those opportunities and weeding out the ones that are, you know, monetarily driven or, or success driven or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of TV directors. You know, in the last few years, all I've done for TV are mostly pilots mm-hmm. or like a small cable series that I thought was really interesting. Right. And that typically draws a pretty interesting breed of director. So that's usually a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, and, and you really see that there's like real talent there. Yeah. That Apple show had had some of that. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And, you know, that's not... It could be a high-profile show one day, you know. But out of the gates, nobody even knew it existed, right? And Apple hadn't right. even announced the right the right. pay service yet. Yeah. So if they're calling a director and saying, "Hey, we got this little thing," you know. Right. Well, the the funny thing is, it's like a two sided coin because, um, they need somebody because they're going to give them a lot of freedom. They need somebody with a bigger vision, you know, with a right. Not a bigger vision, but a complete vision. A complete vision, which is, you know, I think the first time that was really laid upon me where it was really impressive was that first season of True Detective. That Carrie, uh, was it Fukunaga or whatever? Fukunawa, yeah, yeah, something, yeah. yeah. It was so awesome. And he directed all 10 episodes. It's crazy. And he was able to do whatever they were doing, 15 days an episode or whatever, and... Same guy, but he had a vision from episode one to episode 10. He shot a long movie. A long, long movie. Yeah. Including a very long Steadicam shot by Chris McGuire. That is true. That is true. That was so talked about. Yeah. I mean, I think he he might not admit it, but I think that shot made his career. Because Chris is now, in my opinion, one of the top, top A-camera guys working. Oh yeah, you, know, you look at the movies he's done the last five six years. He's he's the A list if there is an A list. Oh, he's oh yeah yeah yeah. And oh, there is. Yeah, oh, of me. course. Oh, yeah, look, of there's course. a whole thing with you know. I had this conversation 
with Colin Hudson. Oh, yeah. And I said, it's a long time. We, actually, we were at a party that we were both at for a, for a friend, a kind of, but there were a lot of people that weren't in the business. Yeah. And this this guy who worked at um, JPL. Oh, interesting. Awesome. Super yeah. nice, like really smart guy. And he's like, so how's like how's your guys' business work, you know? Because he knew we did the same thing. And I'm like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Colin does these big movies. And he's like, oh, why don't you do big movies? And I'm like, I can't get big movies. And he's yeah. like, why not? And he, I'm like, because my name is not on that list. Yeah. Like, I can, I'm, I'm studio, I mean, I don't know that it, let me say, I don't know that I'd be shut down if somebody called me for one. Right. But because I don't do them, right. I'm not on their approved list. Right. It's an unofficial approved list, right? But, <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> but it, but it's true. Well, you it's know? like when they go back and they look at the payroll and their name doesn't pop up on any of the movies they've done. You Correct. Know? You're, 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 oh, well, we don't know that guy. Right. Right. And I've been in the situation where for TV, they tried to hire somebody else and that person was not approved. Right. Sure. And it sucks for that person. Um, totally. But, and then I got approved, you know? Right. Um, but anyway, um, I was getting off top. But anyway, I, I was just talking to Colin. He was like, yeah, yeah. But there are people, and this is why I thought of this, maybe like Chris, and I, I don't know whether that's exactly true or not, but we know that's happened with other people. Like to, I think Ari Robbins, um, um, La La Land, it wasn't yeah. one shot, yeah. but La La Land got him. And it's funny 100%. because there's not, I mean... I don't know that there's that much steady cam in the movie and there's nothing like crazy because the beginning is all techno crane and stuff yeah that i don't i think the dp operate right that swedish or uh oh yeah 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 uh is it hoita hoitama yeah something like that yeah yeah yeah. anyway um no but um um uh but the movie was big it's even though it's a small budget movie like anybody else's success in hollywood it is the perception right Right. And uh, we're at the end of the day, we're all technicians. And, and hopefully, if we've gotten to the level where we're at, we can all sort of achieve the same. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't great ones because there are. And I've worked with yeah. them. And I'm in awe sometimes when I stand on the set with fellow operators who are really great. Yeah. There's things I watch with Chris. Chris was the operator on Terminator last year. with Right. Um, and I was brought out in a, in a different position. You know, I was the C camera operator, but uh, with the intent of being a splinter unit cinematographer. So... Oh, really? There was going to be inserts. There was going to be scenes that need to be picked up where I'd be left behind to shoot actors on a set that was partially lit Finish already. something you up. Know. Right. Because so, a movie of that size, they, they already had a full-blown second unit, like an appropriate second unit. Sure. That, uh, blowing Ma- things up Bruce and crashing McCleary stuff. was blowing everything up right. and, you know, stuff flying around and hurting right. stunt people. Uh-oh. But, no, Did people no, get no. hurt? No, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, nothing nothing like that. You know, just like the things they do to their body, I can't. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine. But no, then. Um, they, well, they get hurt all the time. It's when they get injured that's the problem. That's right? the difference. Right, yeah. 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 That's, that's... <laughs> My football coach used to say to me, are you hurt or are you injured? Yes. He'd say, I'm hurt. Get the fuck okay, back get in the back, game. <laughs> yeah. Tighten up your shoes and get out there. Yeah. Sorry. I, so anyway, so but how yeah, did that end up going for I, you? It, it was great. Yeah, it was a really fun experience. You know, that was the second movie in Hungary last year. So I already knew like a handful of the local crew, which was helpful. I learned about six words. I think Hungarian might be the second hardest language on the planet after really? like something like Chinese or Japanese. It's it's tough. It's huh? an impossible language. When you listen to it, it first of all, it doesn't roll off the tongue. 
There's yeah. nothing that's like. It's kind of like German in that way. Yeah, it's it's like it's very stilted. And, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, how do you say please? How do you say good morning? Okay, good. I'm ready. Let's go to work. You know. <laughs> yeah. Any more than that? But uh, but yeah, I think that that movie was a really fun experience. But like a movie of that size, by the last couple of weeks, they had three units shooting. So it was like an interesting position to be in moving from operator to DP back to operator back to DP because mm-hmm. you find yourself like if they're only doing one camera, you're sitting right next to the main unit DP because you need to know exactly the decisions he's making because if something from this scene gets left behind and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, hey, by the way, tomorrow you're going into the cockpit of the C-130 to shoot some different dialogue and you're like, Oh yeah, what did that look like? I wasn't right. there. That, I wasn't there that day. <laughs> right, 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 right. Let's right. pull up some footage and, you know, and try to figure. Who was the out. DP? Uh, Ken Sang. Hmm. You know Ken. Ken's I great. Don't. Ken's no. a young guy um, who shot. Uh, he's done some really good indie movies, but Deadpool was was the first big like hit that he did with Tim Miller. Yeah, and then Tim directed Terminator. So oh, he, okay. He, and he's very loyal. And Ken. He's and is they, he Canadian? Is Ken Canadian? No. Ken's oh, okay. uh, from Chicago and then lived in New York for a bit and then L.A. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, yeah. But he's done some stuff like... Uh, well, Deadpool looked great. Deadpool's great. I mean, great. they did a great job on it. Yeah, super fun. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was a great collaboration. But, like, standing there watching somebody like Chris run a set because he's been on sets of that size for mm-hmm. so many years now. It's just interesting to watch because, you know, there's a lot of... The bigger the budget, the bigger the egos mm-hmm. of everyone involved. Sure. Right? Yeah. So all the way down to the onset painter. <laughs> right. So, uh, but it's good. I, You know, you, you sit there and you go, man, I'm 44 years old and I'm still learning every day. Right. Yeah. I'm at work and, and thank God. That must be why I like it so much. I think the day I probably stop taking something new home with me will be the day I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. You know, it's. Fu- I was telling somebody the other day. I was burned out for a little while. You know. Yeah. And I've 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 been getting a kind of a resurgence of excitement, and part of it is doing this, talking to people mm. who are still having fun and realizing that, like, you know, there's still a lot, a lot to be done and a lot to be learned, and yeah, which is sure. nice to think about and know, yeah. and it gives me hope for you know. Well, you think about guys our age and, and the women our age and the ones coming up behind us. Um, it's a very different time. Uh, film's been phased out. Digital's been phased in. Mm-hmm. And now it's it it's always the urge now, okay, well, well how do we push forward? What, what do we do next? Right. It's so interesting that film lasted for 100 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Digital's only been around for, I, I don't know. What do you want to say? Like le- legitimately, what, 10, 12 years? Maybe 15? 15. Legitimately. Yeah, probably, yeah. But where it's been like on the big screen and people don't go, wow, that's a. Oh, on the big screen, less. Yeah. Less than 10, maybe. Let's say movies, right? Let's just say movies. Like Drive was the first movie I remember seeing that was shot on the Alexa. That w- that looked good. And it looked. Yeah. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like where you go, oh, that looked great. Well, there were movies shot on the F900. I forgot about this, late 90s. Yeah, that's true. But they looked like trash. They looked like they were shot on the F900. Yeah. No offense to Sony, but that. So let's just say, you know, we're, we're at that point. And now it's like things are changing every year. New right. cameras come out, new lenses. Oh, now we're not shooting 
35, that's boring. We're going to shoot 65 mil or, oh, you know what? Now we're going to shoot uh, 276 aspect ratio because 240 is boring. And oh, now we're going to go back. <laughs> so it's like, oh, wow, this is like, you know, you never know when you show up on a set, when you look in the eyepiece, like where are the frame lines going to be? <laughs> They may be 16 by 9, or they may be 240, or they, they could be something else. Yeah. They could be like the last commercial I did where you had the iPhone ticks in the eyepiece because the brand said 90% of the screen time was going to be on Instagram, so it needed to be framed portrait mode, not landscape mode. So, <laughs> Well, did you did you flip the camera on its side? For no, that? they didn't, but they, they had like lines in the 16 by 9 that were right were basically portrait mode Wait, that seems like i guess it's only going to be on a phone anyway the re- resolution doesn't have to be crazy correct correct so they didn't care that so they it's were fine losing but the... i've seen people flipping yeah. to do those oh for sure for instagram yep. and, yeah and, oh, yeah. Uh, and like um some vfx work we've been doing some stuff portrait i've done mode. i've done stuff um like for face VFX. replacement stuff they'll do because they get more lines of resolution on the face if you go horizontally mm-hmm. right yeah, so. I did that for a stunt. Did did you like um? And you tile it and, and tile the whole it. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Exactly. I've done that f- for a couple of different things. Yeah, depends on the post supervisor yeah. you have on. Yeah, with you, and but the budget. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> what do they have the money to do with that footage afterward? Yeah, I just remember they're like, well. He said, well, we need to flip it sideways, and a lot of I think our dolly grip. Uh, he was kind of new, and it was a small movie, and. Well, how are we gonna do that? What are we What are we gonna do? I'm like, get the 90 degree offset. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so funny. Well, no, it's sometimes it's the most obvious thing. For example, in 2007, I was on a movie, and um, I'm getting off the subject, but whatever. This is what we do. Yeah. Um, and they wanted to do a shot. I was B camera, but the, A camera wanted to do a shot where the camera was upside down looking. And it was, um, what am I trying to say? Well, anyway, we needed to do it the the right the right way. Yeah. It was like looking up at a guy, and it needed to be like that. So, um, so they were like having this big head scratch because you know the wheels won't do that, and then even with the thing, you couldn't. Yeah. And I'm like, just put the ninety degree on, right. and and to the I just whispered it to the a dolly grip. I'm like, just get the ninety degree, and he's like, oh. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Like, wh- why wasn't go. this simple for everybody? Those were old school guys too, and they were having a big conversation, which I was staying out of. And then when the right. a when the a dolly grip walked away for a second, I was just like ninety degree, and he was like, oh yeah. shit, and he walked back in with it and problem yeah, solved. So funny, the easiest solution sometimes is right in front of you. I know it seems like oh we never do that. That's a hard thing to do, and then you just like one second. Yeah, know? no, totally. Anyway, um, yeah, but vertical. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that whole that, like framing. Yeah, you know, it's like the evolution of what we're doing. Like when you show up for those day calls, like you mentioned, you know, you just never know. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. And then like you you show up and the assistants say to you, um, "Oh, by the way, uh, this DP doesn't like any haircuts." Yeah, um, yeah, get that a lot. Yeah. Actually, I think we worked together. Did you do? What was that show with, um, I did a few days on it here and there, with um, Eric um, from Will and Grace. Oh, uh, sorry with a P. 
Uh, perception perception yeah yes where john didn't john, like john aronson haircuts. doesn't like haircuts i remember yeah. that very specifically yes. uh, i've heard it from other uh, yeah but no too. that's you know he was this he was like that um lisa wiegand you know it's funny how they have a taste and then the last dp i was with was like no air above the hair like right down he wants he, a haircut didn't care if we were on a 27 or a 65 you know you you were gonna have tight tight headroom really yeah and i was like but wouldn't it be nice and he's like nope no nope, nope. just no no headroom come on no headroom huh okay <laughs> all right like, yes sir whatever you whatever you say these things change too because you know when i was first starting out operating i used to hate like a little extra air above their head yeah. i used to really like tight yeah um and now i just appreciate a well-composed shot even if it's yeah, you know what? It, that's what it becomes about. Hopefully, right? Is, is I mean, look, we're gonna do the close up. You can have rules, do, yes. but rules are meant to be broken too. Right, hundred percent. Right. And if there's something else in the frame that makes that composition want to drive your headroom up or down, that just makes it a better shot. It just feels right. Yeah. You know, I, I, you, you can attest to this. There's times you look in there and and you're told what the shot is, and just it feels wrong. Mm-hmm. You feel uncomfortable. And maybe that's what they're going for for that specific show, but I doubt it. You know, most times it's rarely. If it feels uncomfortable to you, then just do what feels right. I'll I'll inevitably do that first. I'll, yeah. I'll do what feels right, and then be told, "Oh, hey, you know what? We don't we don't want to see that specific thing in the frame right. or whatever it is." Right. The producer doesn't like to see that oh, room in the oh, background. Yeah, or what? Right. Or the director hates that red wall. That right. they, they should have painted gray. So right. don't show as much of that as you can. Right. For whatever right, right, reason. Right. You know. Yeah. Or the or the even when it makes sense the short side. The director hates short siding. hundred percent. Why? 100%. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we'll do it the weird way. Yeah. And it'll no. feel odd. But a show that used this to their advantage and, and I think the audience knows too, even if they know nothing, they can feel it a little bit. Yeah. You know? And, and hopefully that's what we're you know. Right. And hopefully they're feeling what they're supposed to be feeling when they're yeah. watching. And when you watch Mr. Robot, yeah. Um, I was the first season, I was absolutely awestruck and amazed at the composition. Yeah. And it's very uh, deliberate. Everything was oh, very, yeah. very deliberate. Yeah, oh yeah. Good. And I'm hoping um I I think it's gonna happen with I'm gonna have Aramedic, the operator from, from oh, that show cool. in. Very um, cool. Yeah. Um so we'll see, but yeah. um, but no, I want to talk about that. And they did an episode last season. I don't know how much of it you watched. I, I haven't seen the last season. Okay, they did an episode that is like a simulated single, like a si oh, simulated oneer. Wow! And if memory serves, no commercials. Wow! They got somebody to pay. Bought the hour. Bought it. Wow! And. They, they did this bug, simulated like one or it's it's all yeah. it's all cut and stuff but yeah yeah it's something yeah i think so um beginning and end i'm sure or something yeah, yeah. but if you can check that episode I out actually i think it's that. free on usa it Network should be or something. yeah if you um, have like if you have cable i'll have to check it out because um that's what i like now about what's been happening with tv i mean regardless of whether you work on it or not there's so many interesting programs out there and what they let the operators do or not do I, you know, yeah. it just depends you know i did a <clears throat> i did a pilot that led to a series a few years back with a tv director who's high on my list of like 
sort of inspirational creatives, Adam Davidson. Like, I don't think I know him. He's intense. You know, okay. he's super passionate and he's super intense. And I love that because that energy like kind of just like pours out into everybody else. Right. Where you just all of a sudden you really care about what's going on. Yeah. And he's he's very much about everything being authentic. Mm-hmm. Not about like, oh, this looks pretty. He's like, yeah, but it would never be there. Right. They'd never have a, you know, a nice little umbrella hanging by the door in Tucson. Right. You know, so get that off the wall. Like, <laughs> right, you know, right, 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 right. Little minutia like that. Yeah. He doesn't miss. Anyway, regardless, we do this show. And yeah, but attention to detail is important. And very important, yeah. especially directorially. Yeah. So you have a meeting, you know, the DP says, hey, this is going to be my A operator. So you go meet the director. And he says, you like to do handheld? And I said, well, sure. Yeah. It's, you know, I have fun with it. He's like, okay, good. You're going to have fun with this one. The show's going to open with a five-minute Warner handheld. <laughs> and you're like... Was this Adam Davidson? Yeah. Okay, got you're it. You're like, well, this is ambitious. Okay, describe it to me. And he says, well, you know, we're going to be on the Venice boardwalk. I, I can describe it now because the show's already aired and the shot never made the show. <laughs> Get out of here. So, Which show is it? Kingdom. It was for oh, yeah. Audience Network. You did a few I did the first one and the last one. Okay. The funny kind of full The network circle. that almost no one has. Right. But it's they, the best show no one's ever seen. You know, I have it because I have AT&T. Cable. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. But I I watch um, Mr. Mercedes. Yeah. Well, and, and that's smart. I like that show. Yeah. You know, it's, it's Kingdom's a little darker, a little more family drama. There's some MMA there, which draws a different audience. Yeah. Okay. But it's, there's a lot to it. I mean, the show's Is really there? good. Okay. A really good storytelling. Um, some amazing uh, camera work, directing work, you know, the whole story and the way they go about it is really fun. So in this pilot episode, it's going to open with like, you feel like you're running down the Venice boardwalk, you hear heavy breathing, and then all of a sudden the, the actor takes over the shot and you're on the back of his head for... So maybe, POV that turns y- into yeah, an over? So, uh, yeah, right. behind him. And then he the, he bumps into a few people on the boardwalk who in, in passing give him a dirty look. Right. And then he's going to veer off of the boardwalk, run through the sand, jump over the knee wall, and end up on the handball courts at Venice Beach. And he's going to throw up because he's been running so much and he's hung over. So camera's going to come off of the rickshaw, handheld. Oh, so you start on a rickshaw. Yeah, start on a rickshaw. Smart move. Yeah, start on the rickshaw. Save myself at least the first 50 yards. Yeah. Then run through the sand. Then run down some (laughs) steps. And, And this is what the director wanted was him to get away from camera. You hear him throwing up. So that as you see him, as the camera finally catches up to him, he's already done heaving. They've got the set the, throw up already on vomit. the ground. Right, yeah. He stands up, rubs his mouth, comes into a big close-up. You can see he's exhausted. Then you see him recognize something. Camera wraps around his head, and you see the two gentlemen he bumped into on the boardwalk who now want to pick a fight with him. Ah. Uh. And then it goes into the entire fight, all, whatever, 11 or 12 moves. He kicks both of their asses right because he's an mma guy he's a former like uh pride champion okay now mma gym owner got it he goes running off and the camera like drops down to the deck and you see the mouthful of blood laying there passed out so it's a very complicated shot cool 18 takes <laughs> i've never been so tired <laughs> you felt you felt a little like a steady cam operator that day yeah i mean I, and i had chose the easy rig so I could do height adjustments 
yeah. much like you know but i think even with the steady cam you know it would have it would have been tough to decide if you go low motor if you go over sure because because at the end, beginning he wants this and at the end and the camera has wants, to be on the ground so right. how, unless you know unless you had an ar yeah which you probably would have if that's how they wanted to do it you would have had to have an ar guy come in of course because there's no other way i don't think you could have changed that perspective right so with the easy rig, I was able to do it. I mean, it's supposed to be messy. The whole show, that's the whole point. It's supposed to be messy. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you could have done it. You could have done it with a little help from a dolly grip. Just regular handheld. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Just at the end, like have them support it as you get it off yeah. your shoulder. Well, and then... this is pre-Movi too. The, the Movi wasn't out yet. And I think now. That might have been a good shot back, for the Movi. It might have been a really cool shot. But he wanted the handheld look to right. it. Right. So when you so watch want the it to be show, he wants that camera to feel like it's one of the characters. Right. So you're if he's running, you should be running and disoriented. And it was good. You know, the first 10 episodes, I, I, there's some shots in there, especially on that pilot, that I'll, I'll sit down and watch and I'll go, well, you know what? That's, that's good work. And it's hard. I don't like talking highly of myself but it's a collaborative you know it's the director and the dp and it's okay to say you did a good job operator yeah you feel good about it at least you who know. shot it uh sid seidel oh okay TV i don't know him i've heard his name for yeah. years and years yeah he's been around you know he's like one of the first tv dps that really you know taught me a lot moved me up to a camera oh really okay set and then you know just kind of from there yeah, I did a little indie movie with this woman named Lauren Iaconelli. She was the A operator, and she was Sid's A operator for years. Right. And I don't know her either. She's shooting now. Now right? she shoots. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's, she shoots. Uh, funny enough, she shoots a show called Animal Kingdom on USA. Oh right, yeah. Um, and yeah, so she's like, "Hey, Sid, we should bring this guy in. You know, young operator, but I think he's good. He's fun. He's attentive. So." started coming in and you know how it goes and over the years you just kind of yeah run in a few circles and sure i just saw him actually i hadn't seen him in a few years i had lunch with him a few days ago it was good good to cool. catch up old mentors yeah no joke uh-oh it looks like that beer is empty mm. let's stop for a sec we'll go get another one yeah sound good yeah Okay, we're back. <laughs> so, you mentioned Nutter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just... Um, David Nutter. Yeah. I just watched that Game of Thrones documentary. The final, whatever they call the Fire and Ice or whatever. So, I don't know yeah, what it was yeah. called. Yeah. But, but I I never, seen I've it. never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Okay. But I saw an ad, you know, on HBO for the, for the documentary. Yeah. And I saw in it... There's a shot of David Nutter, like a close-up of David Nutter, and then a voiceover of him going, this show saved my life. Yes, I saw that, too. And and I'm a fan of the show, and I and I have to say, like, he he has directed some of the best episodes of that show. No surprise. Like, I, I think you had the same experience I did oh, when we were great. with him. He was very inspirational. Yeah. Um, but I was like, what? Like, I mean, he's such a... he. I'll be frank. He's very overweight. But he yeah. moves very fast. I think he's his body. His body type is like that. Yeah, but yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's like what? Yeah, more for whatever. Yeah. You know, well, he has back problems, which I didn't know of. Right, I didn't either. I found out in the documentary he's had like two back surgeries. That's why he didn't Probably direct for a while. Or stemmed by. You know, could be. Yeah, you know, sure. Carrying sure. a little too much. 
but whatever doesn't yeah, matter yeah. doesn't affect his ability to be good at his job no he's great at his job and somebody in the somebody in the documentary said we call it the penguin walk yes and i'm like yep yeah 100 <laughs> The first thing I thought when I saw him, I almost started laughing. But he moves so fast. Uh huh. And he he's like, and he's running around. Hey, look, 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 like gotta a, go. Yeah. A camera here, B camera there, C camera over there. You're I've right. told people, I've talked about it on the show. He moves so fast that he's saying cut, and then he's like, "Okay, Mick, you got the tight over here. Brad, you got the blah blah blah. Okay, everybody set action. Like, like, like Jesus Christ. Wait, what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, you you know, and yeah. then and and. I don't know if you remember this, but we did that really long day when when um um who came in? Jesus. Um I'm blanking, but we had a C camera operator. Oh, uh Alan Easton. Alan Easton, yeah, of course. Alan Jeez. Easton. He 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 did a few days with us on that. And we were handheld most of the day in that shitty warehouse doing fight scenes yes. and stuff. And it was a 16-hour day and yes. we did Memory serves 138 setups. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. The script he turned around in the van and said, "Do you know how many setups you did?" It's <laughs> like, "Holy shit!" Like, I'm not paying attention. I just... <laughs> no, my God. <laughs> just trying to keep up with Nutter. But but he came the next day. We were at Warner Ranch. Yeah. And I walked on set, and he walked right up to me, and he was like, "I'm so sorry about yesterday. I told them I needed two days. I don't oh. want to abuse you guys." I remember that. And it's not fair to make you work 16 hours, but I had no other choice, so I apologize. And I he was saying it. it to everybody, and I'm like, thanks, I man. I remember that. That's a, that's a big move. You don't get that a lot. It, well, I mean, the thing is, he shot more. He shot at more than double in 16 hours what the vast majority of TV directors can shoot in 16. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, some will, some will maybe get, you know, four pages or five pages in that 16 hours, and he, he right. shot you know probably the most pivotal scene in that pilot it was the big fight yeah. and how all the shit went down if i remember correctly yeah um but you know it's a big undertaking with stunts and rigging and all that other stuff and yeah but it's impressive so then you watch game of thrones and you're like he's the right guy for something of this scope super complicated yeah and, and, and you and, give him right. days you know i don't know they have 21 days an episode or whatever the hell it takes them yeah you know so I, i'm gonna have to watch that to see what he meant by it's really good because the life. actors are barely i don't know what he meant by it to be honest but he came back to thrones after having back surgery a couple of times got it so i think i don't know he attributes something i don't know yeah <laughs> desire to want to be back on set yeah yeah um sure. i think he was in a pretty bad way there it, yeah it's what it seemed like so <clears throat> um see that no, but I just liked, I mean, I've talked about how, you know, we had the ice cream truck and the coffee truck and the, you know, whatever truck. I never got any of that shit. It all melted or no, went bad on the car. You know what? I, I it's, We didn't have time. No. And, you know, that's, it's like, we barely have time to leave the set on most shows. Right. Much less like time to open your mouth and put food in it. Yeah. And on that one, I feel like we, I didn't barely, like, I think I was drinking water and that was about it. Oh, dude. <laughs> That show was hectic, man. And I remember day one, we didn't know each other. That's right. And I remember we met. Oh, no. I remember what happened. We went into set. It was like an 8 a.m. call. But we we both kind of strolled into set at 745 because David was in there whirling dervishing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as soon as we walked in, he put us to work. Yeah. And I remember we talked about this later. 
maybe we shouldn't say that. I don't know. But it was like, you know, we're going to work our asses off all day. We're not walking in a minute early. So me and you would have a coffee at yeah. Crafty or make yeah. a phone call. I do or, remember that. Yeah. I, and like, there's no reason. And I'm not blaming it on him. He's not keeping track of time. No. He's just doing the job. Yeah. And Oh, you're here. It's time. Right. <laughs> right. When you walk in, yeah. that means you're ready. That's right. So unless you want to go to work early, don't walk onto set with him. <laughs> you know? Lesson learned. Yeah, lesson learned. Lesson and learned. I remember you you said it. I was thinking it and you said it you said it verbally. You're like, I'm not I'm not going to work before call. Yeah. So I'm I mean, not going in there. You know what I mean? I, it's yeah. I, I I'm I'm not like a big gonna bang the union sign. Uh mm-hmm. but I I am proud to be in and i think you know i've benefited well but there's things where i have to say like guys we got to look out for ourselves if you're hurt yes. before yes. your call time i i was just thinking not that. covered by workman's comp right i don't care if you stub your toe and the toe never heals they're not going to pay for it right so i always tell the assistants please don't unload the truck until your call time right please don't put the camera on the dolly yeah because they love time. that you do that they love it because you know they they yeah. their day goes quicker because you're but it's tough because you know if you're not in but the dp and director are there say 10 minutes before the assistance and they're screaming for a finder right they don't want they want to say no right you know what i mean so they got to do it and i and i sympathize and and as i've moved into more shooting jobs i i take that into consideration like oh, is there a know. way i mean how do you think this would go over you're on a show I need a finder. Uh, maybe he texts them. Hey, bring a finder to the loader or whoever, mm. or the second. And it's ten minutes before call. Does the does the loader just bring it and then tell the UPM I'm putting in ten t- ten minutes earlier? Yeah, I mean I think it has to be right. Well, I think you know the the good assistants will say, well, look, they called for the finder because we were standing there, so I'm putting myself in ten minutes before the pre call. Right. And if the AD was standing there, it'd be like, talk to the AD. He was there. Right. And they have to have your back. But yeah, I think sending the text is the next best way because then you have actual. No, but I meant if written. even if you're not right there and the DP yeah. knows you're at the truck. Yeah, well, for And texts sure. you and says, bring a finder in. For sure. You know what I mean? you got written proof of it. Nobody's going to deny it. Well, that anything. too. But I mean, it's just a whole thing. It's like, but people forget about it. Like I told the guy in the, I've told this story, that we're in a 130-foot condor. and. Oof. Which I loved, I I think is great. We did yeah. moves, we did like, we did crane moves in it. <laughs> oh my! God. From above the trees in the forest and to below, booming down through it. Really awesome! Wow. Um, no, but um, uh, anyway, th- th- that time we went up in a few times, but that particular time, that guy was like, "I'm like, oh, I need a harness. Oh, why are you gonna wear that? It's like, cause." safety regulations like yeah. i had training in yeah. osha regulations and yeah and if i fucking fall out then i won't die yeah he's like whoa you're not gonna fall out if this thing tips over we're both dead and i'm like okay i said look at the very least so do what you want but you just had a kid right like two months yeah. ago he's like yeah, yeah yeah i said if you if we die in this thing and you don't have a harness on they're not getting your death benefits yeah and he was like, really? And I was like, of course not. You're not following the fucking safety procedures. Yeah, yeah you know. I, I, this and is then he com- put one on. <laughs> this has been a conversation of late on, on some sets that have been 
not frustrating, but it's sort of the thing where we, especially as operators, we have to look out for ourselves and for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, hazards, hazards, safety equipment, all of that. Right. Cause now, now there's a, a studio safety person, right? Mm-hmm. Universal will send one out. Warner brothers will send one out and they're there, right? They're supposed to be Are there. they? Oh yeah. Especially on who, features. I never know who they are. Well, they're not going to introduce themselves to you unless, oh, we're doing a stunt. Oh, hey, that guy has to have a harness. He's going up in 135. Okay, so they're just there to watch that shit. Yeah. Okay. And this is like maybe the last couple of That's years. That's a good thing. Yeah. Okay, sure. But here's what I here's the problem I have. Okay. That guy's going to tell you, you got to have that said harness, right? Uh-huh. Well, okay, maybe the grips don't have that harness. Because they weren't expecting that, right? So who's supposed to provide it? Well, the safety guy should provide it, right? He's the one telling you, you got to wear this safety gear. Well, okay, well, where is it? Right. You know, props provides our eye protection and our ear protection. Right. The producers are supposed to supply... Correct. All of that stuff. Right. And which generally means they rent it from somebody. Right. And right. to be fair, you know, if the studio... Are, is producing the show and they're sending out a safety officer. He should have said it makes sense that he would have the equipment in hand. Right. What's the call sheet say? Like you and I read the night before. Oh, we're doing this, 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 and that. Okay. I better make sure the AD has vests to work out in the street. I better make sure we have harnesses to sit on the process trailer. I better make sure we have all this earplugs because I'm going to tell them they have to wear it. Right. But they don't do that yet. Right. And it's kind of one of those things where, okay, so. I did a movie. And Most she, of his time is spent, or her time is spent, just standing around watching. Right. Right. And telling people what So they, they have can plenty can. of time to review. You're right. They have plenty of time to even look at a breakdown mm-hmm. and say, here's what we're going to need for the whole movie. They could even do it right. a day of prep and yeah. go through the whole thing 100%. and say, this is what we need, and then tell the producers, and then they disseminate information so the grips know to buy more harnesses or whatever, and you know, props know to bring this. Picture or, cars know we're going to turn the airbag off in the passenger seat because a handheld camera is going to be in it. Right. And how do I do that on a Tesla? How do I do that on a Toyota? Which you can't... That's a whole thing. Right. Because you're not legally supposed to do that, right? Right. But have you seen the videos and the impact? Oh, no, no, no. So I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sit in a passenger seat with the airbag on. But how do, you know it's, how do you know it's off? The light will come up. Most cars now have a light. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Most cars, new cars, new cars have a dash light that'll say, you know, like safety restraint. Right. When you sit on it, it goes on. Right. Right. So it, it's been a thing where I, we have to look out for our ourselves and for the other operators like i'm always watching like the a operator if i'm a guest i'm like oh is he is he really gonna do that right and and i'm not gonna say it to him but i will just kind of right is he really gonna stand on top of the ladder right is that really what you know right is that really how you want to do that shot right and if it's somebody young i might even go up there and be like hey what do you what do you think about doing it this way right or you know maybe we should bring in a different piece of equipment if we have it Mm-hmm. Not to slow production down. Obviously, that sure. know, we don't want to do that. Of course. But, you know, there's time, you know, in Hawaii. Yeah, but if you have to slow production down a little bit oh, for to sure. do things the right way, you do them the right way. 100%. I get what you're saying, too. You're not, you know, you're you not trying know. to cause a, a, a big stink. Right. You know, but if there's a way we can do this where everybody's just that little is I'm more, safer. Yes. And I'm all for that. I'm more for if they're if they can damage somebody else. If they're doing yeah. something dumb and they're going to hurt themselves, yeah, 
and they there's no one else that's going to be injured right. by it. Yeah, yeah. I might say like, hey man, be careful, like or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But I'm not going to be like, you know, look uh, on 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 a show I did. They didn't have green beds. Yeah. At all, it was in a warehouse. Did right. not have green beds, and the the grips and electrics would be walking around like on a a, a fake ceiling on the stuff. I mean. With no harnesses, no anything. Um, Oof. I watched the Jesus. best boy yell at producers about it, and the whole se- at the beginning of the season, and nothing ever changed. And I said to the G and E, they were all local to where I was, mm. and I said to them, they were all great. A lot of them very young, especially the ones doing all the climbing yeah, around. Of course, of course. And I said, um, what do you guys think about that? And they're like. Oh, I feel pretty comfortable, and I'm like, so nobody's reported this to the to right. the, to the local. Nobody's yeah. called in about anything, and they're like, yeah. I'm like, don't you think maybe you should call in? Like, you're 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 at risk here. Yeah, and they're like, no, I feel okay with it. And I'm like, oh, these are new people, you know. Yeah, and and um, nothing ever happened, but again, if they fell, if they fell onto our stage and broke their neck. Yeah. They're not getting shit for that. Yeah, it's, and, and they'll although you know, there'd be a big lawsuit about who told them to go right. up there. Why? Why aren't there green right. beds? They can't. They would like to wear harnesses, but cannot because there's nowhere to clip into. Right. So there's no point in wearing a harness if right. you can't. So there's no strong points right. or whatever they call them. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. So, you know, it's tough. It's that that whole safety thing. You know, it's like when we are in the process trailer or free driving with actors or stunts or, you know, any of these things. It's like, I, I always take a second, you know, I did a job in Hawaii in January and I like, we're going to do this 300 mil shot with all these vehicles hauling ass toward us and explosions and a Black Hawk helicopter is going to fly right over the top of us. Whoa. Like 25, 30 feet off the ground. And I said, okay, yeah okay cool it's gonna be an awesome shot i'm super down for it you know dp placed the camera so that's a good that's good let's do it and then i went to the stunt coordinator and the key grip and i said okay i need safety people not just uh, a grip i said i need a stunt guy who's watching the stunt because if the stunt goes south he's gonna know it before i am because I'm watching through an eyepiece right and I, I don't my he'll see the weird things yes and he'll grab me Sure enough, the Black Hawk goes overhead. My feet come off the ground. I'm in the jet wash, the rotor wash. Your feet come off the ground? Yeah, and he pulls me back down to the ground. And it wasn't going to, like, suck me completely up, but it was enough to, like, take me off That's the ground. crazy. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah, and, and terrifying. And then they cut, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I go over the DP, and we're watching playback, and, you know, my shot's good. And then when my shot's already over or, or, or you know, sort of kind of the action's stopped all of a sudden you see the lens just go up into the sky and come back down because i as i'm getting sucked up i'm like right pulling on the camera and then i'm put back on the ground and i looked at the stunt man i was like dude thank you i think you just like literally saved me from being sucked up into rotor wash and we were all like whoa weird yeah i put in for a hazard the studio said no no the shot was totally safe there was nothing to worry about uh-huh you know baldwin had a big like, fight years ago with a biplane flying right over his head taking yeah. off right at him yeah and yeah, they, yeah. he never, he fought and fought and fought and fought and they wouldn't give him a dollar for mm-hmm. hazard pay. And, and you know, the thing is, is it's, I don't care about the 50 bucks. I don't. 
it, it's the million dollar life insurance policy that they exactly don't want right. to take out. Exactly right. Because if the but I go look, guys, the accident's already passed, so you have the policy. So what? You don't have to pay out on it. Yeah, right? you already know you haven't paid out. Right. I go if I died, and we hadn't discussed it, you're paying. Yes. There's no question you're paying. Yes. So just pony up, admit that you put someone in a dangerous situation. And, and I haven't heard of anybody getting hazard pay in a really long time. No, they've like they, they've they've decided everything now is just super safe if you've survived. Right. <laughs> I feel like I don't. know. Right. You only get hazard pay if you die, or if you're like hurt. I, I don't know. I it's it's a weird thing because like yeah. done a few action movies the last few years and I've had some pretty hairy setups. Mm-hmm. But everything's fine, right? Everything works because everybody's rehearsed and we've taken care of it. And all the even even rehearsed and everything, you know, if a car, if one of those cars coming at you blows a tire, and well, this that, shit happens all the time, all the time. And that's kind of what I was getting at. I like, because afterwards, I you know, I get the email from the production saying, "Well, you've put in for hazards, and um, yeah, we're not we're not paying those." The studio safety officer was there, and he said all the stunts were safe. And like Baldwin, it was like five or six emails back and forth. I said, right. the stunt itself may have been safe and deemed safe, but I said, but the camera positions was dangerous. What we've done to cover said stunt, like nobody came and talked to me. I didn't see a safety officer. He didn't come over and say, Hey, right. what's your plan? If X, Y, and Z, he never even showed up. He may have been a craft service. He may have been on second unit. I don't know. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not holding him at fault. I'm just saying like, it's not like he talked to me, right? I didn't have a conversation with him saying, do you feel safe? Because I'm not going to approve a hazard. He didn't do any safety officering. Whatever. It's all, you know, yeah. at the end of the day. It, it's really just... Just funny. I mean, you mentioned you, union, you know. You'd think they'd stand up for this stuff, but... I, I think they do in, in, in the best that they can, but they're always a step behind too, right? By the time you call it in, like, what are you going to do? You're going to tell, oh, hey, I'm not going to do the shop for at least an hour until the BA calls back. Right. You know what I mean? It's no, like, I'm not. You know, and I'm not doing that either. But no. I've had I've had beefs and I've had um, issues where not safety stuff really, um, but I've had issues with like turnaround being forced yeah. and stuff, and then yeah, they yeah. don't they won't pay you, and the oh, and the BA is like and tough. the BA is like no, it's clear you'll get paid. Yeah, never get paid. Yeah, yeah, no, that that I yeah. Because they don't want to fight. There's enough going on. They're like, uh, they make two calls or whatever. I mean, in the specific instance I'm thinking of, um, the UPM was just horrible, and you know they they flew me home on two hours turnaround. Oof. And um, jeez. And there's more to that story, but anyway, and they wouldn't pay. Wow. And and I and I knew they were going to do it. And I asked them, I actually did everything I could to allow them not to have to pay it. I said, look, yeah. I don't want that. Turn- like, book my flight later in the yeah. day. Yeah. We're not changing anything for you. That's wow. how they acted. And Oof. I'm like, okay. So then I called the BA, the Midwest guy, oh, and, yeah. and um, um, who's very cool, who yeah. I've, I've known from other things. And um, and he was like, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, if they do that to you, yes, it's to turn around. They're forcing you. You get forced the whole the whole flight. Yeah, you know, the whole whatever. flight, you're on whatever, force call. Right. And I'm like, okay, great. And then the assistants knew about it. Everybody knew about it. They they wrote it down on the time card very specifically. Um, you know, that the, the A second knew it. She made notations on it, all this stuff. And the UPM was like, we're not paying you. Period. 
and then the the so I okay so I forwarded all the emails to the BA and then nothing happened and I called him two months later and he said oh, totally forgot about it oh that's a drag that's and really what am I going to do then it's really a drag you know it's this really shitbag production company that yeah I won't say the name of but yeah, a, a lot of people have worked with in the past they've made a lot of movies um, they've had federal charges on them and stuff, so <laughs> they're not exactly like up and up kind of people. But anyway, I'll get I'll get off that subject. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, you know. It's like, and you know, we were talking about that one show, um, Up All Night. So, yeah. So they, the all last, held. yeah, the last episode of the series, we come to find out, mm -hmm. but the last episode, the producers who were great had planned to wrap really early. Like two o'clock on a Friday. Oh, cool! And they brought in five food trucks. Wow! Beer to have like a rap party. Yes, full blown. Like on the stage at CBS Radford. Uh oh. Well, great, right? Like, oh, this is gonna be so much fun, right? They get all this stuff until the studio finds out you're bringing booze. In. Well, no, that part that was gonna be under the radar. Oh, okay. But what okay. the studio did find out was like, oh, you're rapping that early. Oh, great. Um, we're taking your camera department and they're going to go do a camera test for a sitcom. Get the fuck out of here. No. So the entire crew is partying. Hair, makeup, wardrobe, grip, electric. Meanwhile, the camera assistants and both operators are pushing over to another stage at Radford to go shoot sitcom camera tests for two actors who haven't been cast, mind you. This isn't the pilot. This is camera tests. Yeah. Because what a lot of people aren't aware of is if you go in on a call, let's say you're working for whatever production, let's just say it's universal. Yeah. And one universal project finishes that day and you're on the lot, old school lot rules. Oh, we have another show that needs two more cameras. We're just going to take you guys and put you over there. Right. So we had to go do it. We weren't able to eat any of the food, drink any of the beer. Not that I need any of that, but it was like one of those things where it's like an old rule where you're like, no, you had a moment where wait, it was going to be what? a nice day. Yeah. And like with, with, right. with friends and coworkers. Yes. And, and now we're going to go and literally get screamed at by a sitcom director. Cause none of us have ever done sitcoms before. And we're on dollies with zooms and we're supposed to know script notes and like when to pan over and do all this stuff. It was I probably F 900s with 24 to, to well, no, we brought our camera package. Over. Oh, you we brought did. the, oh. uh, what were we using? Oh, Lexus with like 19 and nineties, you know? Okay. But he was like, okay, when this guy walks out of the door, you're going to zoom over there and be on a close-up and then when he comes over you got to zoom out and be on a two shot on the total couch. stuff know, they're not like, used to doing no You're sitcom not coverage and i'm like i'm on a geared head so i'm like well, you gotta talk to the first assistant when you want to zoom so then the first is like well you got to tell me when you want to do it and give me the script notes and the director's right. like you guys are supposed to know this shit <laughs> i was like has no one explained to you that we're we we're just wrapped our camera show guys five like, minutes ago dude uh, so funny i can't believe that happened that's yeah. super weird yeah so like you just never know when you get out of the car in the morning what you're gonna do that day <laughs> <laughs> did did you ever see those actors on a sitcom no no okay. but i did meet the dp who was a very sweet lady who's like apparently one of the most successful sitcom cinematographers patty 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 lee right yes and no. she was like i am so sorry you guys she's like I told them I needed two cameras and they said, we have two cameras for you. And you guys showed up and I'm like, Patty, we've never done this before. We're like single camera movie TV guys. Like none of us have ever done sitcoms. Right. 
no idea what he's talking You're about. You're lucky they didn't hand you pads. <laughs> well, oh boy, you know, that would have been a whole other ball of wax. But, it, you know, She's at the end sweet. of the day, she was sweet. So she yeah. kind of, you know, like a good DP, she got in front of it. Yeah. Told him, I'll take care of it. Told us what to do. Right. Right. Ended up being like three or four hours of work. And then by the time we got back to the stage, the Party's party was over. over food yeah, because everybody gone. wanted to beat the traffic wah, home. Wah. Right. So. That's funny. Yeah. You just. Well, you're lucky to have had Patty there. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine if it was some nightmare? Yeah. She's she's very nice human being. Yeah. Yeah. She was sweet. But, you know, it's like one of those things. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, you know, we were talking about David Nutter. Um, we didn't talk about that pilot. <laughs> he was doing, I mean, we did a little bit, but, yeah. um, I just got off the subject, but, um, do you remember one day you looked at me and you went, he, he gave us orders yeah. for our next shots. And then you, you went, didn't you, didn't you just do that shot Yeah, that he gave me? And I was like, yeah. And I, f- f- I don't, I still don't know why, but there's a reason for it. I yeah. still don't know what it is. I don't either. Because it happened multiple times. Yeah. But what we realize is why he's such a great pilot director. Maybe I'm giving his secrets away, but yeah, um, is because he gives them every single size of everything. Oh yeah, from every well, that's direction. How you get 138 setups in one day. Right. You know, and and so they can make the show. Yeah. Any style they want later. Right. Like if they right. decide we never want to go above the first button or right. tighter than the first yeah. button or whatever their rule becomes yeah. they have all of it without right. in, in you know in looser close-ups yeah no, or if true. they decide we're never going to go outside the first button they've got it all tight yeah it's crazy that's true that's true and and you know i think part of it is like some directors when you get into three camera situations can only focus on one mm-hmm. they get sucked into one it may not be the right one a lot of times it's probably not. You know, because I mean. it says A on it, and that's it's a big, yeah. pretty or, or wide they, shot. Or they gave the C camera operator one note, and they're fixated on. Yes. on Oi, wait, I'm waiting for that moment. Is to he going to do that thing that I told him to? And then he sees it, and he's like, "Wait, shit! Did I get the piece I needed on A camera? I don't remember right, the real meat." He's looking you know. for the tilt down to the watch on the table, right? And, and uh, right. that story point that that he needs for for whatever right. scene. And I laugh. I'm like, "Yeah, well, no, we got that." Oh, I don't know if we did. We should go again. Okay. Because playback isn't a thing on TV anymore, you know. And yeah. So it's like, it's hard when you get into that. And then he moves so fast anyway. It just doesn't matter. It's just, oh, he's just not gonna, playing back anything. We're just going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, not or he just knows. Yeah. I mean, he knows. I remember we had a conversation. We were shooting that, that, that like, it was an empty store, like retail space downtown. Oh yeah, and then we turned right. it into a, the, like the bullpen of the law office. Yes, yes, yes. And um, and we had all this stuff. I think we had C camera that day too, and it was like this big dialogue scene from all across the room. And this guy walks here, and that guy yeah, walks here. And that's then, right. And we're like, okay. And David Nutter says, "You know what? Let's just dance floor it." And the grips are like, okay. And you had Brad Ray. Yeah. And. They're like, well, that's going to be, and he's like, 20 minutes, I'll be back. Yeah. Because he knows exactly what everything's going to take. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah. yeah. And then I remember we did like a, oh, my God, I did, was it 20 point? Uh-huh. Well, 100% camera move. I know. I love it. 
it was super fun to do. But yeah. I remember at one point I had to climb like to the other side of the dolly. Yeah, you're going all the way around the head and all of that stuff. And then I had to get my foot out of the way of Alan's dolly at one point, <laughs> and then or maybe it was your. It was just it was yeah. such a challenge, and like a I'm hunched over, crouched the whole time. Yeah, you know, being a big guy on the dolly sometimes isn't fun. That's true. That's Especially true. If you're on the B camera dolly. I'll never forget we did um Oh yeah, I think I did have a peewee on that. Yeah. I don't think I, I day played a bit on the newsroom for HBO. I wanted to ask you about that actually. And We've got I've gotten myself so sidetracked with all this yeah, other stuff. But and, sorry, go on. And I would come in and do the C camera. And the first season they really wanted to have a C camera, like every day. Like uh-huh. Todd McMullen was the DP and he called me and said, You want to do C camera? And my buddy Chris Murphy was doing A he said, oh, it's going to be great. Um, it'll be every day. But you probably will have, like, shorter days and this and that. And the like, and oh, skate you once yeah. in a while. Yeah. And right. I was like, you know what? That kind of works for right now. Like, sure. where I was, whatever was going on. And Jerry O'Malley was the B camera steady cam. And he's a big guy. Yeah, he's my size. And yeah. But weighs probably 20 pounds more. He's just yeah, well, yeah. full-size dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you First saying I'm day, not full size dude? No, no. I mean, how he's, dare you? I think I, he's, <laughs> I get, he I'm might take kidding. you in an arm wrestling match. But just kidding around. That <laughs> I show up the first day. I'm there, and they've got a, a oh, I forget what the hybrid or something for the A camera, mm-hmm. Pee Wee for B, and a hybrid for the C camera. <laughs> I laughed. I, I just started laughing because it's it's standard operating procedure, right? TV show, big dolly for A, small dolly for B. You just that's how it goes. And then the C camera just gets whatever's available. So stuff just starts coming in. And I just, I had to say, I'm like, Jerry, y- you take my dolly. I'll take the peewee. Right. Because watching you climb onto that tiny dolly. Yeah. It's, he's like, I've been doing it my whole career. I'm like, I don't care. Just, just, just take, take the it. hybrid and live in luxury. <laughs> it'll be fun. You know, yeah, just yeah, take yeah. It. It'll be fun. And normally it's like a peewee. It's like the shittiest peewee. Three. You know, a like PB3 a, with yeah. no round on it, right? And no roundy round and no accessories. And yes, there's you know, never any accessories. You know, I don't like, have a sideboard for yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I have a rotating offset. You get that. That's yeah, you all get you, the RO. Yeah, that's, what, that's what you get. <laughs> yeah. I, I've so. been lucky, though. The the When I've done B camera for, well, not always, but on certain things. Like on Empire, I had a hybrid. I had a hybrid four. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And I was B. That's um, good. I mean, it just depends. You know, during prep, if the key grip has a good relationship with Chapman or, or you know, Fisher, whoever it's going to be, and the sets, you know, it depends on the sets, too. That's like, true. If you need yeah. a small dolly yeah, for some like stuff. Yeah, like the newsroom, they needed a peewee because there was a have couple to jam of you behind this desk. didn't matter what camera was doing this shot, it was on a peewee. Right. might have been a camera on the peewee because it had to, like, fit in this narrow aisleway. Sure. You know. Right. So they had they had a, a variety of dollies, but it was very funny. I love that show. I did too, and I learned a lot about operating and 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 storytelling from that show. Again, it was like I was on a roll back then. I did a show that David Boyd directed, that Mark Davison shot called Men of a Certain Age. Oh yeah, that was all handheld with film four sixteens, airy four sixteens with these right. Canon. I'll probably get in the email. No, from I know exactly. But I know like the fifteen to one forty. I something. know the exact lenses. Yes. because we use them on agents. Oh, as yes. well. Same, 
Yeah. It's that super crazy. They're Canon ENG lenses. Yes, they go from wide to super long. Yeah, there's like an there's like an eighteen to one eighty. That thing, yeah, basically <laughs> something like basically that. Basically like that, and then it's because it's super sixteen, just to double that, and then it's like, right. holy crap, we're like a three hundred handheld. Right. But that's the only reason we shot on Reds. Oh yeah. Boyd wanted to use those lenses. Interesting. Because I think he used those on. Um, well, he did the, the show in Texas. Uh, uh, Friday Night Lights. I think yeah, that's what and he, that was the same camera package we used on Men of a Certain Age, right? Because he did the first season of that, right? Right yeah, after right. Friday Night Lights. Uh, right, yeah. So, but it was like one of these shows where it was like, okay, we only have two cameras, and we want to tell the whole story. We want the camera to be moving, get the line, but then also see what the hands are doing and come back up, and mm-hmm. it was like, okay, now we're thinking out of the box. You know, now we're, we're, we're not worried too much about getting every single line. Right. But we do want to see what the actors are doing, but we also want to be super tight. And it was an interesting way of covering a TV show. Right. I was like, okay, now. Probably you, pretty similar to Friday Night Lights, right? Very similar. I think he had borrowed a lot of what he had learned on that. Well, he made it, it up. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he created the look in Friday Night Lights. Yeah, and, and he kind of was improving upon it a little right. bit. Right. You know, maybe maturing, I guess you could say, yeah. since we're doing a show with grownups. So I learned a lot from that. And then that A operator uh, was Chris Murphy. Chris Murphy was going to be the A operator on the newsroom. And that's how I got that show. And similar kind of thing, right? It was like Barry Aykroyd shot the pilot. And Barry's got a very unique style of long lenses and moving camera and and kind of that vibe. Shoot, he shot the Bourne movies yes. and all the Paul Greengrass yeah, stuff, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, And also, um, what's her name's movie that won the... Uh yeah the um, the bomb, hurt locker hurt the locker. hurt locker he shot that too yes. right yeah, yeah. okay so, anyway sorry so it's that style right yes. it's all very visceral mm-hmm. and so there we are it's We're, great for that newsroom right. and that Aaron Sorkin and, and speed. Sorkin didn't want to do Steadicam this time okay. or Todd didn't want to I don't you know there was a conversation where they agreed they weren't going to do the West Wing ER right ten minute Steadicam shots every right. scene so now it's three cameras on the wings all on you know, 24 to two nineties, just slamming in, widening out, getting all the coverage, getting all the dialogue. We oh were, yeah. They use zooms in that. Oh, didn't totally. they? I forgot. Oh, yeah, They wanted to see them. Right. But that show was covered in such an interesting way. So that, that was the newsroom floor and the bullpen and all those, you know, those. Did sets. you do hand zooms or were you on yeah. the microphone? I preferred hand zooms because I always prefer hand. It zooms. wasn't like a long deliberate news like dun 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 it was like an emphasis like an zoom like a like a readjustment snap yeah exactly right kind of snappy right kind of snappy and on dialogue and or on a pause that made sense so it was like you just wanted that barrel in your hand yeah yeah. so you could feel it because i feel like the microforce is like it's great if you need to do a really slow zoom yes like a an emotional thing or hide one right or if you're hiding one in a dolly move great Right, but by hand for me is so much better on everything. Else. I agree. So and, and and Andrew Rollins agrees with you too. Oh, good. Said he's done he's done movies where they like oh with Storaro actually. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Where yeah. he uh, in um, Gangs of New York. Yeah, they were zooming all the time in that movie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but you can't see it. No, he he you know he he said he would say I think that's what it was unless I'm I'm misremembering but I should listen to my own podcast to find out Probably. but <laughs> no but he would say like he'd say oh did did you zoom did you zoom oh no it was um not Storaro shit um 
the guy who shot the German guy who shot Gangs of New York. Um, this is why I'm. It starts with a B. That's okay. Flor Ball Ball Ballhouse. Ballhouse. Michael Ballhouse. Michael Ballhouse. Yeah. Thank you. So anyway, that was the. Um, so Michael would say, "Did you, did you zoom?" And he'd say, "We went from a twenty-eight to a forty-three. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was just on the zoom stick, just nice yeah, and hand slow. zooming, hand zooming. Oh, yeah, my hand. sneaking so it in. That was, yeah. So the newsroom became like that. But the, what they did on that show that was so interesting was, they've got Jeff Daniels as the news anchor, right? Mm -hmm. So they had four news camera operators on peds with. Uh, teleprompters, right? And he would do his news broadcast, and they would record it. So, and then we would record them recording it, and we right. would record in the control room, right, with the feed from those four cameras on the wall. So there, there were seven cameras to shoot this scene, right? And it was so cool because they would do when those cameras were recording, we were behind them. So you would dolly through those cameras. Sure. You would see the teleprompters. You'd see the guys doing their zooms and moving their peds. And Jeff's right. just there doing his monologue, interacting, interviewing other actors. But then also you would like zoom past the camera and you'd get a bit of coverage of Jeff, right? And uh -huh. then you'd pan over the other actor. And then you'd be dollying back through the camera and you'd widen out a little bit and you'd see him on the on the little screen right. on the ped. And right. then you'd come back down. Over the operator. Right. And, then right. you'd turn around. And then they would just do two cameras behind Jeff, seeing the four cameras, seeing the red on-air lights, seeing the stage manager and all this stuff. Right. Then you go in the control room, and you would shoot over everyone in the control room. to the Out to the thing. To the feet of those four cameras on all these screens. Right. It's like, wow, this is such an interesting way to do a TV show. And they would cover 15, 16 pages a day for that. Really? Yeah, for that particular setup, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, because he'd have a four or five page news broadcast, right? Okay, plus like a ten page, and he would see, he would just do it a few times, and then yeah, exactly, right. and then a ten page Sorkin esque dialogue scene of right. everyone in the control room, ten pages that interacting with everyone on the that on runs the four floor. minutes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that was there was, was a scene where uh, what's her name, Allison Pill, like had a meltdown in the middle of her dialogue. She just like literally came unglued and ran off the set and started crying in the no. corner because she couldn't remember her lines. And you know how Sorkin is, it has to be word on the page. There's no making up dialogue. There's and there's no, no substituting one no, word accidentally. Not a single no, 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 no. word. Mm -mm. And so she just came unglued. And she was off in the corner in the dark crying. And oh, Jeff no. Daniels, I've never seen anything like it. Jeff Daniels got up. He walked over to her. We couldn't really hear a lot of what was being said. Did anybody else go to her? No. No one else. Everybody else is a friend. Like We're all just like oh what do we do he two minutes talks to her dries herself off makeup comes in touches her up she sits down boom nails the scene cut we we go to leave and we all look at jeff we're like what'd you what'd you say to her and he's like i just told her you know if you do sorkin at 100 miles an hour your brain will be a fried egg you have to do sorkin at 88 miles per hour <laughs> he was just like, you're going too fast. It has to be fast, but not that fast. That's funny. And literally, she just needed someone to tell her it was going to be okay and the, like dial it back just the littlest bit. And he's also telling her, you know it. Yes. Right. 100%. He's like, I already know you know it. You, you, you were already almost done. Right. You just kept getting caught up on a word that you couldn't say as fast as the rest of the words. So I, that's part of the job I love. 
just like you're sitting there yeah. on set watching this and you're watching two actors work through a thing that it's like I couldn't tell you how to do that I, I've shot I don't know how many episodes or movies or whatever I couldn't tell you how many hours I have but I couldn't if an actor came unglued right then and there I'd just be like oh I think we might be done <laughs> 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 yeah. You know, because I was like, oh, they're going to go to their trailer. I don't really know how to deal with that. Right. I've seen a couple of... Mm, well, I've seen people that are very vocal. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's things they, <laughs> there's that. But that's a whole different thing. Like, this is a woman, thing. like, giving her all into the performance. She's being very hard on herself. And, and just, like, you know, yeah. getting tripped up. Yeah, and, and, she's great too. And that's the other thing is she's where's she been lately? Uh, she has a new show coming out, I think. Oh, she does. Yeah, no, she's been working. Uh, she was in the most recent season of American Horror Story. Um, oh, was she? Yeah, she played like her and her wife owned a restaurant, and one of them was on the side of the political party that was supposed to be like Trump acolytes types. oh really yeah and oh. then the wife was not she was like very liberal and very against the flow and then all the crazy shit that oops that's right happens in the <laughs> happens in try the not show. to eat the microphone oh, so, i'm so hungry <laughs> but uh yeah that was um that's the last i saw her. Uh, that was probably last do you watch you watch horror story i watched that season for some reason i think i was on location and didn't really know what else to watch so i was like i thought the second season up. of that show because when I first worked on it, it was really weird that the the Greg Williams, mm, the mm-hmm. A first yeah, at yeah. the time, called me and said, um, "Yeah, I want to bring you in." Blah blah blah, second unit. Um, but please, before before uh, watch some watch some episode two yeah, or yeah. Uh, season two. I mean, yeah, for the look. And I was like, okay. Oh, I mean, nobody's ever asking me to watch, and 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 Greg wouldn't say it on his own. This is right. somebody telling yeah. him, make sure he knows, you know. And then, um, and I came in, but it was it was helpful because they do shoot in a different way. Yeah, they oh yeah, super wide lenses a lot. Yeah. I mean, that ten mil, yeah, ten point five, yeah, it works. Yeah, it works. Or no, 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 it's a ten. There's a fourteen point five, right? Yeah. I haven't never worked. We on call that it a fourteen, show. but yeah, no, no. But the Panavision Primos, yeah, the oh yeah, that is it's a, a ten yeah, and yeah, a fourteen, and a half. fourteen yeah. and a half. Yeah. It's kind of funny, right? Yeah, uh, and they they rock that. Oh yeah, it's we did a lot of stuff. It was that, and then like walk and talks on a seventy-five, Oof. with one guy who was like because he was wearing like ten inch. He's a tall dude dressed like a woman. Uh, wearing like yeah. twelve inch in drag. Yeah. in drag. You know the one. Yeah, yeah. And then another guy who's like a foot and a half shorter than him and trying to do walk and talks with a 75. Oh, gosh. And then they want everything perfectly symmetrical and square because they're walking down a hallway. Anyway, that's the first time I met Lonnie. How do you say his last name? Paris Steer? Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. He did a bunch of the Apple stuff. Oh, yeah. Top notch guy. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, for sure. He's like super prepared. Yeah. Ready to go. Yeah. I mean, he's not David Nutter in that, no, but he, like David yeah. Nutter, but he's one of those guys with good ideas. He knows yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Um, how I, to tell his story. Yeah. 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 And what's possible and what isn't. You know? Right. That's yeah. that's one of the most important parts of like directing, I think, is knowing when you're asking too much. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right? Or what in like what's capable for the tools that you have. What's possible. Right. Know? Because if you're planning for X. Yeah. Okay. And even you can do as much prep on X as you want to do. But then you get there and you're like, they're, the whole crew is like, that's impossible. Yeah. We can't do that. Totally. Well, then what do you do? Right. So. Yeah, it's that that is hard. I mean, I, I've been in that situation a little bit more so in TV. Yes, you know, with an episodic director coming in and asking for the world and be like, "Well, we can't really do that." Or if we can give you this as like a pretty good alternative, and right. hopefully they go for it. Yeah. So, it it's a it's a funny thing with the guests, um, because the guest directors because they're. <laughs> They're supposed to be in charge, but they know the least about anything. It's about their first time in, right? Anyway, yeah, it's kind of a funny contradiction. It's yeah, it's a tough spot to be in. I they think. really count on us as operators right. to help them, and yeah, and, and, the, the DP. and hopefully the DP. You know, hopefully they get along. And you know, there's nothing worse than when the DP and director don't get along. Oh. That's that's like the biggest thing I always tell young operators when they're like, "What's the hardest part of the job?" I'm like, "If the DP and the director aren't getting along, you're gonna have the hardest day of your life." Mm-hmm. You know, those, that best day on set, worst day on set, you could have like a worst season on set. Like you get a director and a DP who don't like each other and they're doing like four or five episodes together. Yeah. And and now all of a sudden the DP's like, I, I'm not going to talk to the director. You have to. Right. You're like, yeah, but what do you want to do? Like if I get his shot, and but you can't light from said window or right. <laughs> this actress doesn't like to be seen from this side of the room or, you know, whatever right. the whatever the caveats we have for the show already because we're up and running are like you guys gotta hash this out like mm-hmm. i'm not really the therapist here right and sometimes uh i've worked with dps who don't like it, any of the directors yeah and and you know what it, in that regard you if that's how it is and you're and you're going to be the a operator and you're going to run the set and you're going to be out there and you're going to be sort of in charge it can be fun and and sure if you're comfortable doing that Right, but then you know you also have to be mindful of like tripping up the DP, like you don't you don't want to. Well, sit. that's the thing. You need somebody who's not precious and who's flexible and who yeah. is willing to work in that manner. Right. For example, Jeff Haley. Yeah. With the Avengers thing. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, Trent really gives him, you know, pretty, you know, like yeah, okay, we can do that, or no, this I can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Can you and the brothers, you know kind of figure it out yeah work around this work around this one thing right i can't give you that right whatever it is i can't give you that corner of the room if you're gonna look there and start here you know right so um yeah i did a couple of days at the very end of the pickups for that so oh did you it was really interesting to observe. was jeff was jeff doing those oh yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah it was interesting to observe was, was it like, wow this guy's he's in charge <laughs> <laughs> and i like jeff i've known jeff a long time he's um, a great guy I wish I'd done more movies with him. I imagine I have a lot to learn from him. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a very interesting working dynamic. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to do a show with those that whole entourage and see you know what it's like from start to end. Yeah. But, well, the nice part is it's all big budget. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you next get the tools you need. Yeah, their next one's not going to be that big. Right. The next one they're trying to do is a little more. It's also not Marvel. Right. Or a studio. Exactly. So. Right. Curious, you know, are they going to land back on their TV roots? Or are they going to go with like, well, this is how Jeff would do it because Jeff Mm -hmm. won't be there. I know. Yeah. 
so I'd be, I'd be curious to see what what happens um yeah i like those guys i, I wouldn't mind uh i'm curious who they're gonna hire you know, you know or I have think, they hired somebody already? no they they pushed to the fall so i don't know you know I'm, i mean I'm, i know they talked to trent about shooting it so we'll see who who he wants to bring in who is oh who they did has. okay yeah but i don't you know because of the scheduling and everything moving around who knows you know it's like yeah. one of those yeah, one yeah. Of those deals <laughs> yeah yeah i've never worked with them so i don't know all i know is um is your account jeff's account and ron baldwin's account yeah yeah no it's and they're very different you know slightly jeff, different jeff's <laughs> been on the gravy train with the big budget and i just day played and you know ron was there at the beginning so yeah speaking of speaking of ron we both love taraji henson oh yeah and you did um hidden figures hidden with her figures with her yeah and octavia spencer yes yeah. and i haven't seen that movie i don't know you why should, I, I, it's on my list you but. should you know what's funny is that that's like when you sit there and you think of your best days on set and your worst days on set and you think what are some of the best movies i've done that's probably one of the best movies i've done it's like right. the most meaningful also just the vibe on the set uh was, Ted. was octavia one number one number three she was number Who, three where, where was janelle monet taraji was number one Oh, she was. Yeah, she okay. was number one. Janelle Monae was number two. Uh, big pop star. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's so in like, uh, uh, Big Little Lies, no? Yeah, yeah. she's going to be in this. She's really good. She is. Um, this is like her, maybe her, I think it was like her second movie. I think her first movie was already shot and hadn't come out yet. So Hidden Figures was like kind of a big deal. It was also, you know, a pretty big social commentary. But I think that movie came out one year too early. I think if that movie would have come out after Trump was elected, after the Me Too movement mm -hmm. really got its footing, mm -hmm. and after all the other dust had settled, because that was it also been a, a bigger year. deal. Yeah, because it was also a year when oh we're gonna nominate ten movies for Oscars this year. That's right. And it was like, wait, what? Ten? Yeah. Okay. It still was a big deal, though. It still was. It still but not, got nominated. It, not a huge, huge. It still got recognized. I'm not saying it should have won that year i'm not saying it shouldn't have but you know what did social, um what was that movie called wasn't it la la land that year oh yeah, yeah. when they t when they read the wrong one yes and then... when they said moonlight right they announced moonlight and la and it was la la land that's that was that and that, so then of course because of all that controversy then the movie definitely disappeared into the background that's true it wasn't even the two yeah <laughs> yeah know. it's too bad it didn't it right didn't, it, they didn't announce uh that one instead yeah and so then you know it was like one of those deals but it was just such an important movie such a huge cast i got to work with kevin costner for the first time it was legendary obviously yeah. for so many reasons um my focus player was Tony Rivetti, legendary. Oh, Tony. His last movie. Oh, was it? Yeah. Where'd you guys shoot? Uh, Atlanta. I okay. shot Atlanta for the South in the 50s. And so I was the B camera operator and I shot the second unit. Oh, which cool. Which there wasn't much. I didn't know. know you were doing this much shooting, man. That's yeah, great. Yeah. I've been, been transitioning a little bit more here and there into second units, splinter units. and Right. Who did A? Jason Elson was the steady camera. Oh, Jason operator. was. So oh, yeah, I yeah. had the Australian posse. I had Mandy Walker was our cinematographer. Ah, uh, got and it. And Jason's her A operator. So, um, and Jason and I ha have been great friends ever since. And, and that was a really great experience 
like I think we worked really well together and really bounced off each other well and it was a fun film shot on film which was also really always nice nice um but you know it was like one of those things it was like there were scenes that gave me goosebumps when you're shooting the scene this the scene where all the african-american women walk out of the the their office building and uh-huh. they're going to go to the computing lab for the first time and it's like this really empowering scene with like 60 background led by octavia and they're marching across this campus right there's all these epic shots of all the women you cool know, like really powerful stuff and then the scene of like and costume. then taraji acting yeah that'll give you goosebumps the the scene where she has run a mile in the rain from the colored women's bathroom back to the room where she's working with all the white engineers and she's the smartest person in the room right and she's soaking wet and costner's like where are you every time i come out here you're not at your desk and she's like i have to walk a half mile each way to go to the fucking bathroom and she just basically breaks and then the next scene is costner with a crowbar smashing the sign that says colored only bathroom right you know, and he's like, fuck this. You're going to use the bathroom out, out in the hall. Right. You know. Like a normal human. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was like one of those things where you just. I do need to see it. I really need to watch yeah, it. I think it's an important movie. Yeah. And she's a great actress. And Costner's obviously From, a great actor. Right? And Octavia's yeah. great. And all of them. All of them were great. And Ted Melfi's a great director. Yeah. Just like a great personality. Cool. Super fun guy. It was a serious movie, but he always had a smile on his face. Always happy to see everyone. That's nice. So, That's very nice. Yeah. It was like magical you know, kind of experience. Um, You work a lot in Atlanta. Um, it seems think like. I've probably done nine projects there in seven years. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> At least once a year. Yeah. Last year was just once the year before that was three times Jeez, this year i know you went for deputy did the pilot there they did two weeks in atlanta and a week in la so checked off 2019 already (laughs) for my atlanta visit yeah um how was that because i know sharon shot it sharon's great yeah i've worked with sharon a few times it was one of those weird like sort of lightning in a bottle experiences where years ago i had done two movies with david ayer the director yeah did a movie called end of watch i know i was gonna talk about that a little too but yeah yeah we'll get there and then i did a movie called sabotage with him and uh schwarzenegger was in it so that was my first movie with arnold and then it had been a while like you know whatever everybody goes their own way or however that worked out and david had done some other movies out of the country Uh with different crews and all of a sudden you know, and I had done a few projects with Sharon in the meantime, and then Sharon gets this pilot, and he calls me and says, hey, I'm doing a pilot, and this guy David Ayer is directing, and I know you've worked with him, and I was like, oh, it's an interesting union. I never would have picked the two of them to be together mm. just because of the styles, you know. Right. David's sort of that in-your-face, the cop dramas, the comic book action, the big war movie. Right. Big scope, big scale, all that. And Sharon is like this, like, really driven sort of indie storyteller, mm-hmm. very visceral guy. Right. With, like, really incredible lighting and a very specific voice with the camera. Like, the way he wants to tell a story is his, as far as I'm concerned. So I was like, oh, this should be fun. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> right. And uh, whether the work we all did together or not attest to it, but the pilot was picked up. So 
Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, good. So they'll be shooting that series this fall. What network was it? Fox. And they're, they'll shoot in Atlanta, huh? Uh, no, they're going to do it in Albuquerque, strangely enough. I think they're... It looks basically the same as Atlanta. Yeah, and you know what? Albuquerque looks more like the Palmdale, Lancaster. Is it supposed to be Palmdale? Well, he's an L.A. sheriff. Okay. And so what they'll do is they'll do like three, four weeks in Albuquerque and then a week in L.A. for some downtown work. You know, plates and exterior scenes where they're at the courthouse. And really? So, yeah. That's the plan? Yeah. Yeah, that's the plan. There's a couple of shows that do that. Mm-hmm. There's a show called Lodge 49 that shoots in Atlanta that's actually here right now doing two weeks of exteriors at the beach. Yeah. To get that look. Cause I know that show. Yeah, yeah. So that's the. I didn't know that shot in Atlanta. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so much exterior. In California. But they, so what they do is like two weeks in the middle and two weeks at the end. The mm-hmm. newsroom was the same, by the way. They shot. Uh, LA for New York and right. then they went to New York one week every five episodes and did just not, grabbed everything yeah, for all those yeah whatever mm-hmm. exterior shots very specifically New York that I think they one of do. the first shows I ever heard about doing it I'm not I'm sure it wasn't the first but it was ER ER was definitely uh, leading in that because it, you know they weren't going to go shoot in Chicago at that time no you know, that wasn't the incentive wasn't there yet like it is now right so yeah the um but so a bunch the, of those guys on Empire worked on ER and oh yeah for sure actually did a whole bunch of um, God was that great director that did Home Alone and Ferris Bueller's Day Off and oh uh, oh jeez John Hughes John Hughes yeah, yeah John Hughes yeah big Chicago guy they did all these John Hughes movies yeah. like we were in a neighborhood once and like that's the house we yeah. use for I'm like holy shit cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean John Hughes is a legend Ferris Bueller's Day Off yeah exactly yeah all that so. So they'll do Albuquerque, and the reason they're doing Albuquerque, I think partially it's closer to L.A. for Dorf, but also this whole abortion ban thing that Georgia right. sort of in, instituted. You know, they've lost a few productions this fall because of it. They and sure have, There's yeah. going to be some more, I think, if they don't write the ship. And, I, I you know, I'm sure we they're have a lot of people. They're not going to write it. There's probably a lot of people that are listening that are in Atlanta, and, and I've seen a lot of opinions on Facebook about you know like fighting for the workers that are there Mm -hmm. and and it's you know i i don't know it's a hot topic yeah i think it's definitely going to be a hot topic with union workers i don't really want to touch on it well i i will for what i'll uh, for what it's worth yeah because i saw these people saying like oh well you have to support us don't pull out stay here and support us because you're taking our jobs away and you know blah 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 and i look at it as there are a couple of things because Atlanta's so busy now. Yeah. And I think they all think it's going to go that way forever. And they don't realize that all those jobs came from LA and there are a bunch of people in LA going, dang, I wish all that work hadn't gone to Atlanta, especially, you know, guys like us get to travel for work, but you know, hammers and electrics yeah. and, and costumers and, 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 and assistant makeup painters. they don't yeah. get to go yeah, no. they just train new people there right and so okay they came and then they trained you up to do a job two years ago right or whatever it was and that's cool and yeah. great but this has happened in a lot of places before they go there they suck out as much as they can until they realize oh we're just giving corporate welfare to the whole world yeah. and then they stop it and they move on to wherever, you know, yeah. um, like when I was in Chicago, they have a big incentive yeah. and the old guys are like, 
all these young people are going around blowing their money, not realizing that we yep. just we've been through the slow times. Yeah, John Hughes died, and everything died here. Yeah, and, you know, and and um, <clears throat> and so you know, I don't begrudge anybody being upset about it. Um, and it's a it's an iffy topic as far as like supporting the people versus pulling out of the state kind of right. thing. Right. Yeah. But. You know, do you want to support all the people or just a certain amount of people? Well, you know, I've worked, as of you, in probably a dozen incentive locations. So I've worked with crews in Vancouver. I'm sure you got me beat. But, you know, Vancouver, Albuquerque, you name it, Louisiana. Right. All all these places. Right. And at one point in all of those calendar years, one place was busier than everywhere else. Uh Atlanta's been very fortunate. Yeah, Atlanta's been good to me. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Yeah, but a lot of people have also moved there. Mm-hmm. So, if there's a lot of people unemployed, part of them were chasing the incentive. Part of them came up in the last few years while the work was good and hot. But I've been to Vancouver after the big suck right. of work. Yeah, and you know it's the same like you were saying the people in Chicago. It's like they have been through it. You know, in the yeah. '90s when all the productions fled to Canada, it was so busy there. There was, you know, Hollywood North was created. Yes. They didn't really have an industry. They had a few crews for, you know, movies that came there for the beauty of it, not because they were going to get a huge tax break. Right. And they survived and they are surviving. And now, you know, and then they have hot years and cold years. You talk to those guys up there and they're like, yeah, we, you know, we'll go two, three years of like nonstop work. And then it'll be a ghost town for 18 months. Right. So, you know, in Atlanta is Atlanta. It's not Hollywood. So if the productions all leave because of a decision made by their current legislature, yeah, you know, maybe it'll be dead for 18 months. Maybe it'll just be a little slow mm-hmm. and maybe it'll recover and be booming in, in two years from now. But I don't think calling on everyone to support them is probably going to be the best <laughs> yeah, solution because I think they just got to weather the storm and see what happens. Well, look, I mean, there's even though, especially in camera, we're all in the same local. You know, we're all kind of in yeah. the same union, right. and it's like, oh, you're taking our jobs. You know, like, um, okay, uh, you know, the, the 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 business is here. I I came out here for the business, right? And yeah, same. Yeah. right, and and you know, and it's okay that there's stuff somewhere else. You know, and when I lived in Florida. I wanted the work to go there, you know, Um, but it, it, you have to realize they don't care about you. (laughs) I'm sorry to say it. Certain people do. Yeah. But the, the quote unquote studio, whichever one it might be, and it doesn't matter. They don't give a shit about you, period. They don't like paying you. They want to pay you less. They don't want to even have to hire you at all if they don't have to. And, um, they hate every dollar that they give you. And that's just a fact. And look, that's not a person because every individual human being, unless they're uh, some kind of psychopath or sociopath, if you tell them your story like, oh, I just, you know, I wish I could get five bucks more an hour or whatever, whatever the the thing is, they right. will empathize with right. you. Right, right, right. But as a company, their job as a company is to milk every single penny right. out of the business. To not spend money. I mean, right. look, at the end of the day, right. it's... And it's, they're like, look, we made $4 billion dollars. Right. This quarter, and if we don't make five billion next quarter, the the the, the shareholders are going to be pissed. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the, not an artistic endeavor. The entertainment industry held out a lot longer than other industries 
on the crunch for that, for exactly right. what you're saying. You look at the auto industry fled the United States. The textile industry fled the United States. You pay a premium now to buy jeans made in the United States or a car made, mm-hmm. you know, not in Mexico or not in Taiwan. Right. So you're going to pay a premium to have a movie made in L.A. Nobody wants to pay a premium. Right. <laughs> Let's be honest. If they don't have to pay 30% more, they're not going to. Right. So, and we had it really good for a really long time. You know, I think, like I said, I think the movie business held out and TV business held out a lot longer than most industry. Well, they have to. They, I, I get that yeah. you can go make superhero movies in London, which yeah. they do. Right. Yeah. Um, for sure. But, excuse me. Um, but you have to have a lot of money to fly all those Americans in to pretend that you're in uh, Philly or wherever yeah, it's well, supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, the actors and everything else. And right. That's what we had in Budapest. I mean, you know, you get the background that are there. They they had to bus hundreds of background from Spain up because the movie takes place in Mexico. Right. So they need people who might so why look Mexican. So we shoot in New Mexico? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> because they got a bigger tax incentive. Right. For a big blue screen action movie. So, you know, it's just you, you got to take the fiscal and the creative mm-hmm. and we'll kind of wade between the two and figure out how are we going to do this. Well, that's the question. When there were all these smaller studios that weren't owned by huge multinational conglomerates, they could make art films. Right. You know, that are commerce too, but right. but nowadays... With a medium-sized budget, which those are pretty much gone. Right. The medium-sized budget, if you want to call it that, are pretty few and far between. Yeah. And You're, now they make... Now they make $4 million horror movies. Yeah. You're under 10 or you're over 100. Yeah. There are some comedies, I'm sure, for 30 There, there are. No, there, there are. And like, you know, like, like the, your the, girl strip movie yeah, and stuff. 28, I think. Right. So, you know. But they're very few and far between. And they're mostly comedies. Right. With big names that they pay all the money to. Correct. Right. Um, Correct. Which so, is fine. But, but. But the, the the studios, you know, they all have bosses. They're all yeah. Well, they answer they to you know, the bean counters, and you know, they yes. they all answer to to the bottom dollar. So to get back to it, I mean, I think people. It, it's like every other social hot topic. Mm-hmm. You know, the Me Too thing, the immigration, what, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's going to be hot, and everybody's going to have a big freak out moment and then hopefully we get to a point where we can say okay look we're all equal let's all just do the job um atlanta's tripping out because you know louisiana and all these places that are trying to pass this abortion bill it's probably going to affect production for a little while yeah it'll probably level off or you go talk to the guys in new mexico where it was super super busy Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it was a ghost town yep and now it's ramping back up and it's busy again Mm mm-hmm that's just going to be the ebb and flow of being somewhere outside of Hollywood. You know, I think Atlanta got it really good because they built a lot of stages. They've, they had a different framework for their tax incentive that worked better for the studios. Yeah. I don't know what the, I don't know what the differences they, they are. Just, they, they had just, you know, different a, kind of bribery. <laughs> it just a different way of doing it and, the, and to make sure everybody got their money back and it's working, you know, there's obviously it's working. Um, I Look, think. and I'll say I'll say this since it's slightly off the subject, but 
I'm I'm all I love traveling for work. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Like I like I like going yeah. to Chicago and going to Albuquerque and going to Atlanta or wherever. It's part of why I do it. It's a lot of fun. Um and meeting new people and exploring and whatever. It's great. Um so I don't have any problem with anybody shooting anywhere else. It's right. just that I I don't like corporate welfare. I think it's bullshit. Yeah. I think paying a company to come to 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 do something for you is bullshit. Yeah. You know? Um and I think like same with Amazon. Oh, Paying yeah. a company to move to your city and giving them all this shit yeah. is bullshit. Yeah. You know, you have to build it somewhere. So build it wherever the fuck Didn't you're going to build it. I read that like Jeff Bezos is going to pay almost nothing in income taxes. He's like the wealthiest person in the United right. States. <laughs> right. So, it, you know, it, it, I'm with you 100%. I, yeah. Like, I want to do movies in LA, but I also love being on location. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love seeing new places. And people are great everywhere. There's great people crews. in all these yeah, locations. There really are. We, we meet some really interesting people in, in every... I just finished uh, doing a week and a half in Utah. I never worked there before. Oh, did you? Didn't even know they had a film crew there. Nice. They have a few shows that film there. Yellowstone, another Kevin Costner TV series films there. These guys all work on it. Oh, really? Oh, good, cool. Good bunch of guys. Experience. Is that what you went for? Yellowstone? No. No, it was a little indie movie with Mark Wahlberg called a uh, good joe bell he normally does little tiny movies yeah this one is more of a passion project between all of his uh you know cool transformers and whatever else he's doing yeah okay so uh we'll see you know but it was you know the thing i get hung up on every once in a while is you get into these places where it's like we don't we don't give a shit how you do it in la bumper stickers uh -huh. like, don't tell us how to you know don't tell us how hollywood does it I, I've, I don't know, in the, since, what, 22 years of working in some framework of entertainment, I don't care how they do it in L.A. I care about how my boss wants it done. <laughs> that's that's right. sort of how I was taught. The right way. Yeah. Then and the right way is different depending on who you're doing it for. Because right. one DP or one director may not want it done the way the next DP or the director wants it done. Or if you're the second AC, you know, it's that first AC you're working for that day. Or that likes, month, or that you know, the next ten years of your life. Right. I don't give a shit if this is the L.A. way, the New York way, the right. Atlanta way. That is, right. How's my boss want it? Right. You know. Well, there's to me again. There's just the right way, and the right way depends on who you're working right. for. Like, Period. Like, doesn't matter where you are. Like our pilot where, where we met, Boyd was like, "Why are you on the geared head? Be on the fluid head." I was like, well, I don't, you know, we're doing some pretty fast push-ins for Nutter and stuff. And he goes, yeah, but it's more fun if it's messy and you fuck it up every once in a while. <laughs> so he was basically not telling me I had to do it that uh -huh. way, but that's the way he wanted it done. Yeah. And so if I could, I would, you know, but yeah, so it's, and that's the right way to do it. So you got to right. like take exactly a step right. back and say, even if you, even if for you personally, you're yes. like, eh, I'm just going to do it my still, way. No, you do it the way. Cause yeah. He's 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 in charge of the look. Yeah, you're, it is. It's his look, you know. You're you're accomplishing his goals, right? You know, we're just sort the of the paintbrush. I guess be, there's always people that say that, right? They're the artist, we're the paintbrush. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, again, depends on the show too, right? Hundred percent. Right? Yeah, I've, so, I've some pilots some. you come into and you're like, let's do it handheld, and they're like, great. And then, or you could say, let's do it on a dolly. Great. They they, they give you a lot more leeway yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, Exactly. And then you you're setting the look. Yeah, 
You know? So that was, you know, that's my, my thing with working on location. Yeah. I, I love it, but I also just like wish we could all just sort of like vibe. Usually I don't have a problem. You just see the bumper stickers. I, I tend to have a pretty good attitude mm-hmm. most of the day on set. So that helps. Nobody's ever really going to get like, oh, this guy's some LA douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Because you start giving people a hard time because yeah. they're not doing their job or they're not doing it the way you want. Like, I don't want to hear it's the LA way. I just want to hear it. That's the way I want it done. Right. I want to do this shot this way. I want this piece of equipment and that's it. Right. You know, I don't want any pushback. Right. You know, it reminds me, the Boyd had me do a shot hard mounted on a dolly um, on a pilot. And I never would have done it that way, but I, I did it his way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. um, um, and it was fine. It was good. Yeah. So it didn't make it harder or worse or anything. It's yeah. just a different. I, I remember I was doing, I was guest operating the A camera for like two episodes on a TV show before I started a film. And the DP is a good friend of mine. And this director came in who used to be a steady cam operator and DP and is now directing. And he was like, we're going to do my episode all handheld. Well, this was, was this guy? No. A diff- different person. Different okay. Person. Got it. And, and the DP was like, we're not, that's not the show. We're not going right. to do any, we're not going to do any handheld unless like a specific scene maybe lends itself to it. The show takes place in the eighties. Mm. The pilot was all done on dollies and lens and all this stuff. Mm. And that's the way we're going to do it. And the director's like, come on, man. I, I just, I'm, I want my episode to be my episode. We're right. going to do it all handheld. And the DP said, you know how this goes. I'm here for the look of the show for the entire season. You're not going to tell me <laughs> how we're going to do it. And I was like, okay, in that moment, he was right. It wasn't how his boss wanted yeah. him to do it. Cause his bosses really are showrunners, producers. the producers, yeah. you know, of on course. a TV show, it's a little different architecture than a feature. Yeah. And I watched that and I was like, wow, that was, and he was, he was not being mean. He never really got an attitude and he wasn't, you know, being condescending. He just said, matter of fact, it's like you should know better too. This is how we're going to do it. And you know that right. you already know if I say this is how we're doing it. Coming in and saying, we're going to do it totally different style than the whole show is. Yeah. And look, every director thinks they want to do that. This is the funny thing. I'm sure you've seen this too. Guest directors think they're going to reinvent the wheel for your, for their episode. Yeah. And they not, obviously not all of them, but some do. Because they haven't been realistic with themselves. <laughs> and also, the ones who are realistic are the ones who work a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think to be really successful, and, and maybe if some of the operators that are not directors come and talk to you, you'll know. But you have to be likable. You have to make your day. Mm-hmm. And I think you really only have to have, and this isn't being condescending, but I think you really only have to have like one good idea a day on set. And by, by good idea, I mean, if you've blocked the scene properly and everything kind of falls into place for a TV show sort of style, and then you turn it on its ear and say, well, what if we did the master like this? And even the DP's like, oh, that's a great idea. Or that's right. a really cool shot. Mm-hmm. You're in. Right. You're going to get another episode on that show. Right. Now you're going to be the guy who did multiple episodes on that show. You'll be the lady invited to direct the next three episodes of the next show. Right. So, guy, guy B and I discussed this where it's like, if you can get one shot, one, a, it, a day. Exactly. It's um, one a day. Right. If you can get one a day, you're doing really good. Really good. I mean, you'll probably stand out if you get one a day. If you get two an episode, you're doing fine. Yes, for sure. For <laughs> sure. But the idea is to try to just get one. Right. 
because that's your goal yeah. because there's no way you're getting more than that because at the end of the day a little bit especially network tv it's it, it it's assimilated to factory work you're going to show up you got to shoot eight to ten pages uh-huh you don't really have time to be precious yeah this is the set if it's a standing set the dp already kind of knows how to light it he just it's needs lit. to know the blocking yeah. so he can say okay key light for her here key light for him here let's let's do our thing right and wide shot medium medium but if all of a sudden the director comes in and says well what if i don't ever want to block them over there and i want to do something a little more interesting and put them over here oh yeah okay we've never done that before let's do that as an as a director as if a you director. hear we've never done that before and you it's win. a good thing you win you win yeah right. now if the dp says no we can't do that there's a we reason don't we've do never that. <laughs> it's a different conversation but, right but i think you know and that's as the A operator, especially if like you're in the private rehearsal with the two of them, yeah. you can learn a lot just yeah. by listening to that dialogue mm-hmm. between the two of them. Because then, then you're a step ahead when you're setting up the next, next piece. Yeah. No, you're you're right. And well, my, and, and to go back, my point about the directing thing is like, if you can shave the edges off your square peg and fit it into their round hole and get along. Get the shots that the producers over your shoulder want you to get. Yeah. And get them quickly. Have, yeah. They're and they're going to have all their ideas, do their ideas. Yeah. And then if you can get that one cool little extra thing, boom, get it. Or yeah. the different, or the wide shot from the other side or whatever, yeah. whatever little moment. Those are the people that get hired a lot more. Yeah. And it's not that you can't be creative, but you have to curb that and understand that realistically yeah. there isn't time. Totally. The creativity already happened. It Definitely. was in a room with a bunch of writers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, yeah. and look, you said factory work. It is. TV can be factory. It work. can be. It can be. I mean, I think there are shows that aren't, which is good. For sure. And, and, you know, it's for me, I, I've been fortunate. I think I went back to a show once, uh, Kingdom. I went back and did the final season. Uh-huh. But I've never done two seasons of a television show by choice. Me either. Just, just because the creativity and the, I just, like, when I was doing TV more, I just didn't want to be in the same place. Had nothing to do with the people. I just knew if I ended up on a show, like, for 10 years... Mm-hmm. And you've day played on those shows. You go in and those poor. Some of them, some of them are super happy about it. Though. Yeah, they are because you know what? They have their summer off. They get right. to hang out with their kids when their kids are out of school. They have family vacation. They, yeah, you know, and and it all they have kind of the equivalent of a nine to five, right? You know, and it's almost like I always say it's like being a university professor. Like you go to work with grownups for nine months out of the year and then you have three months off where you right. can like enjoy life and kick back. Yeah. But the but the model's changing so much with all these pay networks and uh-huh. even network TV now doing shorter seasons, which is good. Like I, I if you ten episodes of a TV show, it feels like kind of like a feature. You know, you go in, you do. If it's a creative show, especially. I mean, I've never done like a full twenty-two. I know I never have either. I don't. Think I, I don't think I have it in me. I don't think I have the endurance in me to do something like that. Doing a hundred-day feature is is grueling enough. Yeah. And by the time you're done with it, you're like, ooh, that was <laughs> that was tough. I need a month off. I'm gonna kick back for a little bit. So I, I couldn't imagine twenty-two episodes. At, it's like know, 10 well, months straight, yeah, you know, straight or nine through. months, 10 months straight, straight through, which is the whole thing with the hours and the, yeah, but that's how you get your pension. 
<laughs> yeah. You can lock your pension down a lot quicker, I think. Meanwhile, you've you've taken 20 years off your life. It's possible, yeah. With the lack of sleep. Yeah, it's definitely, know? yeah. Um, Fratterday and all that, if that all comes into play. <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> Look, you and I probably have wrinkles, you know. I'm 44 as well. Yeah. You're 44, right? Yeah. You and I probably have wrinkles that we shouldn't have. I mean, I, I there's definitely more gray in my beard in the last <laughs> two or three years. Right. That, you know, who knows? But no, it's that grind. You know, yeah. that's why it was so nice. Like again with Nutter, okay, we had the one long day, but all the other days were like twelve or under. Yeah. You remember that? They yeah. were all very, yeah. very. And look, I know most people, civilians outside of the business. I don't think they believe me. Like friends of mine. They don't. I don't think they truly believe the hours we work. Sometimes, yeah. I think they think I'm exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like people are like, twelve hours is short for you, huh? It's like, yeah, yeah. That's a short. A sixty-hour week is a short week. Boy, I got into this mode the last couple of years. The last few jobs have been. We're gonna do a ten-hour continuous day with a walking lunch. Right. You know, yeah. That kind of marvel. The French hours. System. Yeah, it's like more like English, really. Like French is like specifically is like eight and a half hours no lunch break just power through be done right mm. this 10 hours well they've always walking, called it french they hours they call it though. french hours yeah, yeah, that's sorry. Like the, that's i guess you're right that's the contract description so you do the 10 hours and they bring you a lunch boy if they do the day right the day flies by you don't have that lag in the middle for lunch especially yeah. now so many places make it an hour brutal that's brutal yeah and then so i kind of got accustomed to it in a good way, but then all of a sudden you go into a job and you do a 14-hour day with an hour lunch and you're exhausted again mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, shit, I forgot what you're this feels like. 10. My endurance now is for a 10-hour day. <laughs> See, I think, uh, who was it? Somebody was telling me that, like, okay, you do the 10-hour walking meal thing. Yeah. And he's like, it's doable if you stick to 10 as yeah. an operator. Yes. But when it gets longer, it's total bullshit because yeah. you never get a rest. And, you know, no, that's the thing. And, and, and it has to be very That's specific. why so many people didn't want it. Yeah. Want them to be able to do this because they know they'll break it. Well, somebody that's else the, I was working with was doing a show that was, it, it was a 10 hour walking meal and they were yeah. doing 14 every yeah, day. Yeah. So you can't do that. Right. Like, um, the last job in Europe was, they knew, if they knew they were going to do a 12 hour day, they broke for lunch. Oh, okay. They took a half hour lunch. Was this in um, Hungary? Was it a union? Yeah. Okay. Well, like the American employees. Were no, I get union. that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We were getting our hours. And okay. All, that. all right. Everybody yeah. was taking care of it. But yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. But the point was that if they knew, like, oh, shit. We you know, can't get this Today is going to be 12 or 13 hours. The AD already knew, and the AD was very, very, very good. We would break for lunch. You know, we'd have to. We'd have to break for lunch. Because you're right. You can't do 13 hours straight as the operator. And I'm not saying we're more special than the prop guy or the dolly grip or anything. But, you know, everybody needs to take Well, we're minutes. one of the only jobs that works nonstop. Yeah, you're not leaving the set. We don't have downtime. Yeah, you're you not know? leaving the set. You know, you go to the bathroom and, and, and even then it's like you try to run. You know what I mean? Oh, you're, yeah. You're making it as fast as you can. I, it's funny you say that. I've never, but I've never even talked to anybody about this. But sometimes, especially if I'm on A, sometimes I'm on B, it's a little easier. But still, it's, you know. Yeah. But especially on A, I always haul ass to the bathroom. And when I'm coming back, I always feel like, oh, God, somebody's going to be like, where were you? Yeah. 
you know totally. and they almost never are <laughs> yeah no but you you put it on yourself because like you, you don't, feel guilty about well, you also don't want to miss anything right You're like shit if they put a flag somewhere where i when i wasn't there yeah and now all of a sudden we're rehearsing and i'm seeing it they're gonna be pissed when i tell them they have to move it yes and you're like i'm sorry guys where were you when I we put this up i was taking a leak for the first time in four hours right. sorry yeah exactly <laughs> there are many many days that i i don't pee before lunch well you just end up not drinking water and you barely drink water you, you right know what I mean? you well it's not intentional it's just yeah. you know you're you're busy right yeah um and and it's not as the business isn't as um assistants are not as attentive to operators as they used to be and i'm I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing it just is the way it is well i think when they went wireless video prestons and they're pulling focus off a monitor yes they're now more involved in that scenario than when they were next to the camera saying hey can i get you anything like i already have my marks i know what we're doing right or the second is by the camera because the first is by the camera right and now the, the second's the, by the first who's at a monitor 20 feet away from the camera and the seconds are also they know where they got their job and it yeah, wasn't from us <laughs> you know but that that being said I've, i still have a a, a list of first assistants who are very attentive oh yeah i mean no look so many are great yeah and it's just it was probably overdone before there was this you know operator thing it was probably a little a little too much you know um yeah i mean i think the exaggeration probably happened somewhere where it was like look this guy can't leave the set so get him whatever he needs right which became get him his fucking dry cleaning, bring him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when he asks for it, pull his car around with that wrap, you know, it got taken advantage of a little bit. So I, right. I'm trying to bring it back to some version of like, Hey, listen, yeah. I, I can't, can somebody please go grab me a cup of coffee? Right. It's all, it's literally all I'm going to ask you for. Right. <laughs> I ask for water and once in a while, if they're going if they, like, Oh you need a yeah. bag of chips, if you see yeah, some, exactly. or whatever, or an exactly. apple or, you know, exactly. But it is, you're right. Like camera in general can't leave, you know, yeah. and, you know, the assistance as well. If, if a camera's working, both the assistants are there and being attentive lens changes, what the DP needs filter wise, all that stuff. Meanwhile, you know, once they're lit, you know, they grip an electric other than the few guys standing by the set that, you know, they're at craft service. They can go have a sit down on the toilet. The <laughs> hair and makeup have done their touch-ups. They're taking a leak. Yeah. You know, and then we're there just waiting, yep. waiting. Right. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's, it can be very physically taxing, but it's, it's mentally taxing yeah. to be, you're, we're concentrated yeah, all you, the time, you, you know, got and, it right. um, but I wouldn't do anything else. I'm sure I would. I just can't think of what right now. <laughs> well, you're doing Maybe this. Direct TV. Yeah, you're hosting this. Yeah, this is a new. This is a new thing. It's it's been pretty fun so far. Yeah, it's good. As a matter of fact, we've we've been we've been blabbing a while. Yeah, I I, I was actually. And I think you got to go. I'm pretty much got a long drive ahead of me. I'm gonna get back to my little ranch out in the middle That's of nowhere. That's right. Yeah, you uh, you moved out to the sticks. Yeah, the nice sticks. Yeah, not too bad. It's not too bad. You're not the only one out there. No, uh, Dave Lukenbach lives up there, right? And he's been doing this a lot longer than us. He um, doesn't do Steadicam anymore. No, yeah. no, he stopped after Logan. I think was the last movie he did Steadicam. Oh, okay, so cool. He's but he's shooting now, right? Operating, 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 maybe shooting a little bit too. Oh, okay. Um, I know he was working a little bit on the Avatar stuff down at the mocap stages, and he's been around. I mean, he's always busy. He's you know, 
He's in high demand. He's in high demand. There's a few stunt guys who live in town. EJ Masisco lives there at Focus Puller. Uh, he and I did uh, Gemini Man last year. I don't think I know him. He works with Dion Beebe a lot. Okay. Is that who shot Gemini Man? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So he's uh, he's there. Yeah, it's a good little spot. That know? movie looked... I, I didn't see it. Well, it comes out in November. Oh, it's, it's not yeah, out yet. It's, it's I thought it was out already. Another one of Ang Lee's like 3D, 120 frame a second forays. Oh, he's doing that spiel. Yeah, he's doing that again. He's, I haven't seen that at he's, all. He's, you know, the problem is a lot of people aren't going to see it like that. There's only going to be so many theaters that'll project it in the intended frame rate, the high frame rate. Right. So I think the majority of people are going to see it at 60 frames for 60, which will take a little bit away from Because 120, it. they have to probably retrofit It's the... a different projector, you know, right. altogether to do 4K at 120. So the good and the bad, the can good... Can you do that on film? I don't know if you can or not. I mean, I suppose you could. You know, you'd have to be, you know, on some high speeds. Boy, you know, how many four thirty five high that speeds. Be? Holy cow. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You'd be burning through film like mad. We shot I couldn't tell you how much footage we shot digitally. You know, the three D guys can tell you how much we had, but a lot. Oh yeah. Because I shot the second unit and even on the second unit we shot quite a bit. You know, there's stunts and terabytes every day probably. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, massive amounts. Massive. And but it was great. You know, Ang brought the 3D lab to Budapest. We watched dailies every day at lunch, 3D at 120 frames. And you're like, oh, wow. It's wow. definitely your brain is not used to that. It's definitely a whole new experience. What does the 120 do for you? Well, I'll tell you what it does for the eyeball. There's no motion blur at all. So if you're late, you are late and everybody knows it. If you missed the shot, you missed it. And it's pretty, you know, how motion blur, like if you are a little late on the stand up but you catch up and, and you're now tracking with sure. them while they're walking it just kind of blends in you're like oh okay you know whatever dude if you're late you're you cut their head off and then you're late and then they're walking and you're getting caught up and the camera's behind and your your composition's off and 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 you watch it and you just cringe you're like oh man you you really have to like anticipate everything and be ahead right cuz if you're not ahead you're behind you know it's very rare that you're like is a human instinct. I mean, our, our reaction times just aren't physically fast enough. So it was a, it was tough. You know, I came in halfway through the film and jumped right into the driver's seat. And I was like, Whoa, wow, this is, a, this is new. Oh, you came in halfway through. Yeah. I, they, they, um, I went out to take over the B camera for the second half of the movie, basically, which was in Hungary. And, you know, they'd already been going for nine weeks or something like that. So it was, kind of hard being the new kids on the block to focus puller and i came in new and you know kind of had to get caught oh, the up. whole b team left yeah so we had to get caught up real fast so it was uh it was fun yeah we'll see if the movie turns out i, I hope it does for which which State. camera were you you know interestingly enough it was uh alexa m's like eight-year-old cameras with like new firmware Oh really? Yeah, so that they oh. can run this high frame rate. Jeez, I just did resolution. It. Yeah, don't eat that thing. And um, they, uh, you know, it was a Stereotech 3D rig, so they tried to get it as light as they could, but it was still like. Oh, so you shot true 3D? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, true 3D, and uh, so it was a. I didn't know anybody still did that. I know, I know. Eye opening experience. We'll see. So no handheld. They had the key grip Don Reynolds had designed a really cool handheld rig with like a, a hoist 
<laughs> to basically a counter a giant counterbalance so the camera would just sort of hang plumb and if you pulled it down it would come down if you lifted it up it would go up how much it, did it weigh i think the camera rig was like 70 some pounds right you know so, so there's no there's no putting it anywhere near your shoulder you know i think they did like two shots really on, on daniele massachese he was the a operator he's from rome he does like all of ridley scott's movies oh yeah, yeah yeah he's he's a phenomenal operator um and he did a few steady cam shots with the rig you know really I, yeah he had you know got the different cartridges for the pro arm and all that and did the whole thing but um Oh yeah, they have those big. The, f- what are they? Blue, whatever color they are. I don't know what the different. Well, there's black are. is the strongest, but that's like seventy pounds. So like he yeah. needed more. No, it was more. There's some. Other I, that, there's setup. some other one they have. Yeah. I forget. It'll carry like ninety pounds or yeah, hundred or something. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had, <clears throat> he had done that, but they only did a couple of shots. You know, the majority of it's either on a techno crane or a dolly. Right. Yeah. Remote head, and and again, like even the remote head, like doesn't move fast enough like all these things you know? right because it's not powerful enough for that yeah, kind of weight for that weight to move that fast and be precise right and that exact frame that ang wants you know it's like it was tricky yeah he's really specific huh? yeah he's tricky it was fun it's yeah. challenging and you had days where you're like doubting whether you should still be doing this so. <laughs> i like the cast though um will smith and i like mary elizabeth winstead yeah, a lot great. she was great uh, is she very intense? Uh, I mean, she was all in in the character, but I, I thought she was really approachable. Very sweet. You know, okay. Very pleasant to work with. Um, you know, always said hi, came to the set, but she was always ready to go, ready to work and always in character. and, and Pro. Uh, very much so. Yeah, very much so. Okay. And Will, Will's Will, you know, he's always like in good spirits and joking around. And then the minute they say action, he's in whatever headspace he's supposed to be in. I've never seen anything like it. Really? He can sit there and be joking with the crew, telling some ridiculous story, crack a one-liner, and then the AD will say, okay, roll cameras and action. Then he's in this serious headspace, and he's welling up with tears and telling some hard story. And you're like, this guy for real? Like, that's incredible. He's like a light switch. Well, that's Taraji. Yeah, same, same. I've she, seen Taraji do it. Holy cow. I mean, yeah. from absolute cackling, yeah. cracking jokes, slates hit, action, tears. Yeah. Like, no, what? Know. Yeah, that's true. It's true professional. <laughs> In under a minute. Yeah. It's, uh, I've talked about it before. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. Pretty crazy. So, that's so yeah. Pure yeah. talent. We'll see. Yeah, that was good. All right. Cool, man. Well, let's get you out the door here. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. See you. Thank you very much. And, uh, Hopefully we'll work together soon again. Yeah, that could happen. I don't know. I don't have any plans to go to Hungary, but... I don't have any plans of doing anything just yet. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Fair enough. All right, thanks again. Cool. See you. Later. Thanks again to Mick for coming in. It was really nice to see him and to chat. Had a nice time. And thank you to all of my listeners, and thank you to all the people that came to the party. Again, I had a great time, and I hope to see you again next year, if not sooner. Also, thank you to my wonderful sponsors, Tiffin Steadicam and Walter Clausen FX. All right, thanks for listening. Catch you next week.